Nice buns, soft, fluffy, and ultra low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving. Plus, high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from Hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H-E-R-O This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. You are listening to the Flagship Podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. Hey, star making performance. She, the show I mean, did, she's not the show's wrong. Doing point, the show's doing point one ones. <laughs> Nobody watches the show. Less people watch the show now than were watching it before her star-making performance. And Rich Frage. You're indifferent on apples. That's what a, what, a, what a great fruit that you're just letting go by the wayside. What is your fascination with apples? They're fantastic. It's the fall. It's the apple season, man. And we are live on the Flagship Podcast. I am Rich. He is Joe. Joe, what's happening? All right, let's go. Let's do this. So, all right, I, I'm going to start out with a, uh, I don't know if it's a question or uh, just something that for you to ponder here. Okay, so a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month or so ago, I told you I was no longer going to ask you if you cared about Dominic Mysterio, right? I had asked you for two straight years, every time we reviewed a, a World Wrestling Entertainment premium live event, and you would tell me, Rich, I am never going to care about Dominic Mysterio, correct? Am I, am I right? Uh, not a Mandela effect. I'm correct that that happened for two straight years, basically. It's been a uh, it's been a running bit. Yes, a bit. Well, not a bit to me. I, I personally, I want to know if you care. So to me, it's not like a you know. But but anyway. Well, uh, I don't. I don't mean to hurt your feelings. Mm-hmm. So um, I apologize for calling it a bit, since you <laughs> seem to care very much. I do. About this. I care so. about you caring about Dominic Mysterio. I I personally don't care about Dominic Mysterio, but I care that if you care about Dominic Mysterio. But okay. Right. I have something for you. I have a prop, uh, a proposition, a proposal uh, for you, Joe, about Dominic Mysterio. So last week, I received a care package from uh, flagship guest host, longtime listener, Aaron Quinn, Miss Aaron Quinn on Twitter. So now this package contained a very rare Baja Mountain Dew that she received by signing up, and only people that signed up, and only people, only a select amount of people that signed up received the six pack of this rare. Mountain Dew. So when I knew that she had it, I said, "Hey, I I will I will pay whatever fee you would like to have this because I didn't get one and I want one mostly for content on on the Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/VoicesOfWrestling, FlexurePatreon.com, but but also because I want one. So because you know why, why does she get one and I don't? You know I, I kind of felt jealous. I had a little bit of FOMO, Joe, that these other people have this special Baja and I don't. So. Aaron and I, we negotiated a price, a very fair price, I believe, because these things were going for you know a pretty penny on, on eBay. I don't know how much of those were actually being sold on eBay and how many of those were just like ridiculous prices that people were hoping uh, got paid. But I, I paid, I think, a fair market rate uh, for this special can of Baja. I, I hope I hope Aaron shook you down. For oh, no, do not worry. I was I got I got every. Yeah, it it. it a fair price to Aaron. I don't know if I. I don't know if I paid a fair price, but no, I, I got. I got. Uh, I got shook out down for for a pretty uh, pretty penny there 
uh, on that Baja. But 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 that's fine because it, it came in a very nice package, and and now I have it. And now I'm going to drink it and review it for the Patreon at some point. But for the price that I paid, I got bonus gifts, Joe. I got World Wrestling Entertainment trading cards. All right. Oh. I have, thanks to Aaron Quinn. Well, actually, one's a WCW trading card. I got a Z-Man Tom Zink trading card. Uh, on the back, Trump. his motto says, stay single. I don't know what that is. Is, this, is, that, a 19, is that a 1992 WCW uh, 91, and you know exactly which one it is. Close your eyes. The one, it's, yeah. the, it's got the, the yellow background with like the little sprinkles and stuff on it. It's... It's great, but yeah, it says motto: stay single. So there you go. Yeah. That's well, it. you know, <laughs> it's not the worst advice. <laughs> this, for, yeah. this former Mister Minnesota promises to be a strong contender. So there you go. That is uh, the Z Man. It right. didn't work out. It, it did not work that. out for the Z Man. Yeah, staying single didn't work out, and nor did uh, it, it, the. Uh, he says here, I'm starting at the bottom and working my way to the top. I don't care who has the belts, Luger, Flair. I don't care who it is. I'm here to make a name for myself, and so far, it looks like he will. Starting at the bottom. What is he, Drake? What's going on? <laughs> so I also received a WWE legend Leilani Kai card. Yes, WWE oh. legend Leilani Kai. Well, you uh, know, hard to dispute. Yeah, I, a lot of stuff about the Glamour Girls on the back of this card. And and uh be remiss if I didn't plug the uh, Joshi and the WWF uh, uh, Patreon show that we did, the deep dive. Uh, going on in Joshi and the WWF. A lot of Glamour Girls uh, in that. So, uh, yeah, definitely check that out. Patreon.com uh, slash Voice of Wrestling. Flexure Patreon.com. She, held, she ha- held plenty at WWF. Absolutely. Gold. Yeah, I, I call her a legend. Worked a WrestleMania or two or one Leilani's or portfolio two. of work in WWE includes both a women's championship reign and two women's tag team title reigns. That's right. Plenty of gold. Yep. So, there you go. More so. gold than Roddy Piper. Damn right. Damn right. That's All a right. fact. That is true. Yeah. Uh, only IC title, right, for Roddy? That's it? That's it. More gold than Jake the Snake Roberts. Yeah, didn't want to carry it around. <laughs> he had nothing, right? Who held nothing? Yeah, he didn't want any belts. Um, <laughs> no time. You know, you go, you go right down the line. More gold than Paul Orndorff. Yeah, yeah. Many top stars. More gold than the Junkyard Dog. So now, also in this package, I have seen, I don't know if you've seen this on, on, on Discord. I, I believe Aaron shared it. She has an ungodly amount of Shanky cards. <laughs> you know, your, guy, your boy Shanky? Well, she owns pretty much every Shanky card that could be for I there's I'm not kidding you 30 Shanky cards. So I assumed I was going to get a Shanky card here. And you did, I hope. Well, we'll, we'll wait and see. You know, owning dozens upon dozens of <laughs> the whole shanky, lot <laughs> of Shanky cards is the most Aaron Quinn thing. Possible. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So I, that doesn't surprise me at all. The skyscraping dancing Shanky. <laughs> There's so many different varieties, too. It's like, yeah. why'd you make so many Shanky cards? <laughs> There's like seven variants of the same card. I'm like, I'm just wondering why. Who? Well, Who'd okay. You... Well, I'll tell you. It's like opening up a, a pack of Topps baseball and there, and you get Skip Schumacher every time. <laughs> right. you know, they, they got to load you up with the commons. So that's Shanky is Skip Schumacher. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I did not receive a Shanky card from Aaron Quinn. Those are apparently big money, or it's a collection she does not want to part with. So I did not get wow a Shanky card. Yeah, I felt again, a little again I, though. Honestly, again, not surprised. <laughs> right, right. You know, sends me a picture of all the Shanky cards, and then doesn't send me a Shanky card again. Exactly the the behavior uh, from one Aaron Quinn. But Joe, I received not one, not two, but three Dominic Mysterio cards. Okay. Mm. 
So I will try my last attempt to get you to care about Dominic Mysterio as I'm going to read the back of these Dominic Mysterio cards, and you tell me if after this card is completed, you now care about Dominic Mysterio, or 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 if you're going to hold strong and not care about Dominic Mysterio. Okay? All right. What I what I thought you were going to say is what I'm going to do, Joe, is send you these Dominic <laughs> well, Mysterio cards. Desperate times can and... call for desperate measures. If if I go through for three, there's a good chance these get put in the mail. So. And what I was going to say is. That will quite literally be the worst thing I get in the mail, and I have received death threats in the mail. So <laughs> that, that that was going to be my response to that. But uh, go ahead, Carrie. Uh, well, I mean, you can send your address to Erin and let her uh, decide what she uh, what she does with that. But uh, anyway, actually, I don't think she's there very far from you anymore, is she? She might be able to drive him over. Uh, anyway, drive it over. what? I said she could drive it over. That's what I, was, I don't think she. Yeah, she's pretty close now. So yeah, that's. Careful what you ask for. All right, first we have a Dominic Mysterio Tops card here. Old Tops, uh, don't be SmackDown card. It says, "Growing up, the son of sports entertainment legend Dominic, uh, sports entertainment legend Rey Mysterio has given Dominic Mysterio a lifetime of preparation for his in-ring career. With unparalleled talent, Dominic had an impressive rookie year in WWE, defending his family honor against the likes of King Corbin." And Seth Rollins breaking out on his own. Dominic is ready to prove himself. Good rookie like, year. Obviously can't un- shit to me. can't dispute that. Great rookie year. Hey, he had <laughs> defended his family's honor against King Corbin. Who could no, forget? No, who could possibly no. forget? I forgot. I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, that. I don't remember the King what? Corbin. Thing. I remember the Rollins thing. Don't that could King be Corbin. totally made up. He he had a good, highly practiced and rehearsed debut match, and it's been all straight off a cliff from there. I don't even remember this Corbin match. <laughs> I don't either. Yeah, I, remember the, I remember the Rollins thing, of course. I do not remember him defending his family honor uh, against one King Should Corbin. Should we do a deep dive Dominic versus Baron Corbin? Uh, not the worst idea. A deep dive on Dominic's might not be a bad idea. Think about it. We'll think about it. All right. So the next one here is it's kind of a retro looking card here. It's a SmackDown Dominic Mysterio. Uh, he's in street clothes in this one. All right. So <clears throat> it's a so oh, sorry. You do not care about Dominic Mysterio anymore than you did before. Right. After that. No. card. OK. All right. So that card off to the side to get put in an envelope to get sent to Joe. All right. Uh, Dominic Mysterio flew onto the WWE scene defending his father. Rey Mysterio, from Brock Lesnar. Since then, Dominic Mysterio has become a successful superstar. He battled the Messiah, Seth Rollins, and Rollins' then-disciple Murphy, showing his strength when that duo brutally attacked him. After overcoming them, Dominic is looking ahead to a bright future. Well, why does it say then-disciple Murphy? Did I... Well, did I, whatever happened... What? How did that story end with Murphy? Did he ever break away from him, or did he just get fired in the midst of... I don't remember, yeah, I don't but why would it say then disciple Murphy? Everything they're talking about on these cards is eventually going to be out of date. Eventually, like why? Yeah, you would have to say that? then the Messiah Seth Rollins and then right. King Corbin. Yeah, it is a it is a strange. It's weird that they did that. It is right. It is a little strange. Yeah. No, but I still don't care. Still don't care. Okay. Yeah, now no. this card is awesome. So this is a it, it's a vortex card. It's a revolution vortex card. It's a, it's Fuck, shiny. I don't know. It's real shiny. That's all I know. It's pretty. It's it's thicker than the other cards. You hear that? That's a thick sounding card. Um, and he's also he's on Raw now in this card. Those other two are SmackDown cards. Those are old. Oh. Those are old Dominic. We don't care about old Dom. We care about new and Dom. That's uh, that's Raw then Dom. Dominic. Then Dominic. <laughs> right. All right. <clears throat> 
Oh, this is also a Panini card, not the, not the sandwich, a Panini. Oh, different brand now. Yeah. Yeah. Dominic Mysterio is making his way through WWE at a rapid clip. Oh, God. <laughs> Royal Rumble 2022 marked his first appearance in the annual tradition. And while he did not win the Rumble like his father did in nine, uh, 2006, it was nonetheless a valuable learning experience for the younger Mysterio. Was he even in the Rumble? I don't <laughs> That's what I that. and so that was my follow up. Is like I don't remember Dominic Mysterio in the 2022 Rumble. So they say there that Dominic Mysterio had what, what did they say? A valuable. He did not win it, but he had a valuable experience. Right? Is, is, is was their words? <laughs> yeah. I, I. He okay. So he was in for three minutes. <laughs> not great. Yeah. Um, he was one of seven guys to throw out almost. And then he got thrown out by Happy Corbin in three minutes and 44 seconds. I, I don't know how much he learned. I have to say, is there something going on where I just memory wipe everything involving Dominic? I remember none of this. <laughs> I don't remember any of that either. I think we have a memory wipe on everything with Dota V. It, it, is, it is remarkable that you and I could probably list like every tag team champion from, you know, 1975 through like, you know, 1998 or whatever, like by memory, we might even be able to tell you what shows they lost. That's a, I couldn't say the Royal Rumble from 10 months ago. This year. No clue. <laughs> Zero Nothing. clue. Happy I honestly Corbin. can't remember who won it. Yeah, I, do, I was going to say, do you want to take a guess on who won this year's I'd have to, Royal I'd have to Rumble give match? It some thought. Um, well, all right. Well, let's work backwards. What was the, uh, what was the <laughs> WrestleMania main event? <laughs> That was my next. <laughs> Our next problem is I don't remember what that was. <laughs> Do you? It was. Well, it was. I'm sure uh, it was Roman... Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns or something, right? I think it was. Wasn't it Brock and Roman? It's always Brock it and was... Roman. <laughs> that was SummerSlam. No, it was WrestleMania too. I think. Well, the, the night one, the uh, WrestleMania Saturday was, of course, Stone Cold Steve Austin and Kevin Owens in a match it was the, that we're all calling uh, a match, even though it was very clearly not a match, but we're all going to still call it a match. So, yeah, it was. And then, yeah, and then night two was Brock and Roman. Yeah, see? Right? Yeah. But did Brock win the Royal Rumble? <laughs> I honestly can't remember. Uh, Brock did win um, the Royal Rumble. At, at, the, at the expense of this segment going on way too long, Brock did indeed. Uh, Brock Lesnar won the men's and Ronda Rousey won the the women's Royal Rumble. That was the Royal Rumble was the one where Shane McMahon came out and like rebooked the entire match on the fly. <laughs> came out like twenty eight and and did a bunch of yeah, and then the things all got went awry after. Uh, that wasn't the the cool Rumble where Brock just tossed everyone. No, no, minutes. no. That was oh, that was a couple years ago. The one where he's just dancing in the ring as he's throwing guys out. Yeah, yeah. That, um, was that Rumble. He yeah, he came out thirtieth and just won in like two minutes. Is how this one went. I don't remember a goddamn thing about the end of this year's Rumble. Yeah, he came out, and it looks remember. like he eliminated Bad Bunny. That's when Bad Bunny was, like, legit the best worker in the entire match. Remember that? Mm. It was a boring-as-fuck Rumble. It was so boring. And then Bad Bunny came out and, like, did the most exciting stuff of the entire match. Uh, so Brock came in. He eliminated Bad Bunny, Shane McMahon, and Randy Orton to win the Royal Rumble. All right. I'll take your word for that. <laughs> I'm sure you I'm not lying. So I'll take your word for that. Yep. Yeah. Um, he should win it again, probably. He should win That's it every year. Every year, forever. I love the Brock stuff. It, it, <laughs> we remain the only people in the world that love when Brock comes in and just dominates everybody. Everybody gets mad. Everybody starts wringing their hands and going, oh, this is ridiculous. But he just comes in with his little ponytail. <laughs> At five, some yeah. people wins the Rumble. Main events, all the big shows, and then bounces. And then leaves. And then, oh, but time for a Saudi payday. Hey, Brock Lesnar's here. Hey, SummerSlam's here. Hey, how's it going? I love it. It's great. 
I don't have, I don't have any problem with Brock. <laughs> he's exciting. He's better than all the other fucking I, duds on know. the roster, including one. Dom Mysterio. So okay, so after the Vortex uh revolution card, um where are you at with Dom? No, not even Damn close. It. Why would Damn I Damn it? No. So You know, it's it's bothersome because there's a lot of like ironic enjoyment of Dom Mysterio right now. It's very sad. Uh, I can't I knew it was gonna come at some point. So it started, if people don't yeah. remember the Dom Mysterio path, it started with Whoa, Dom's really good. Like what a what a rookie, because he had that match at Seth Rollins. And then it was like, all right, we have to and I think you and I on the podcast were like, yeah, no, I mean, it was it was good. It was fine. But it was clear that it was all rehearsed. And like, OK, what's he, I think we even said, what's he going to do when he's in like a normal match or a match where, they're, you know, he's got five minutes on TV against somebody he's never in worked front before. Of fans. Yeah. In front, yeah, of course. Yeah. In front of fans. And and then everybody just decided, OK, never mind. Dominic's pretty terrible, actually. But, yeah, you're right. Over the last six months, there's become like a, a, a rubber banding on that. And now people are like, no, Dom's actually good. And now that he's doing this Judgment Day stuff, there's. It, it, it's it turned it's, it started ironic and now it's like working its way to unironic, which is a very, very I, I, sad. It's funny because he was one of the few WWE acts where even the hardcore WWE fans were like, "Yeah, this guy sucks." Right? Um, ironically, Hit Row has reached that level now too. I don't know if you've been following that. Oh, where but, everybody uh, thinks they stink. Yeah, everybody the, the thinks they're terrible. Not good yeah. on Fridays for old Hit Row. No. Yeah. Even yeah, and I mean among the the core fan base is like, oh man, Hit Row fucking sucks. No swerve, no buys. You know what I mean? But um, this uh, Dominic thing, yeah, every, everyone kind of agreed that he stunk. Then the heel turn, and now there's like this ironic praise of him going around. Um, he's still awful. I mean, now he's Subanic, and now he you know <laughs> wears black and eyeliner and. Um, you know, but he's still terrible at literally everything. And I think now he, now judgment day and Dom legitimately get tons of heat. There's no doubt about that. I think what that's a result of is again, the fans really never liked Dom, but he was attached to Ray and you were supposed to like him. Right. But now they have the go ahead to boo him. Right. Right. So now it's working because it's like they never liked him to begin with. They all think he sucks, but now they have the permission of the company to boo him, and that's what they're doing. Because one thing that's a very smart way to use him, by the way. Oh, yeah. No, without bad on purpose is a good way to use Tom Mysterio for sure. Because he's never going to be an effective babyface. They know that he stinks. So one thing that's happened in WWE over the last. 18 to 24 months is they really did success successfully run off the common wrestling fan, all of them. And what they were left with was 1.8 to 2 million hardcore WWE fans. That's why the raw after WrestleMania no longer has the same dynamic. It used to have. That's why they don't get as many quote unquote bizarro world crowds anymore. That's why the fans generally cheer for who they're supposed to cheer for and boo who they're supposed to boo because they're down to their base. The people who truly like the product and don't want to revolt against it or reject it. That's why you don't get CM Punk chants. That's why all of these things have gone away because all of the people who were doing those things, people flying in for WrestleMania from Europe and and wrestling fans are just holding on hope that this was going to ever get any better. They're gone. AEW has expedited that to some extent. 
because people have an option now with American wrestling. But uh, and Vince's terrible product, they're all gone. So that coming back to Dominic, these are all people who were being polite about Dominic. They knew they didn't like him. They knew he sucked. But now the company has given them permission to hate the guy. So that's my psychology behind it. I think that's why Dominic and Judgment Day get so much, uh, uh, you know, heat. And, um, you know, and, and as a result, that's why we're kind of seeing this ironic, oh, Dominic's good. Look at, well, he gets heat. That's all that matters. He still sucks. He still sucks. He's terrible at everything. He's not good at any facet of pro wrestling. And he's arguably the worst person that that company has ever employed. But like you just said, they have positioned him and in the perfect way possible for to get anything out of him because they weren't going to get anything out of him otherwise. So there you go. Sounds like I, I'm going to be honest for a man who doesn't care about Dominic. It sounds like you've you've uh, you know built up a no. Quite, you haven't tricked me here. Quite the head cannon. I'm just saying you you went on a, a like a ten minute un really. I mean, I didn't really set you. I guess I set you up for it, I suppose. But man, it seems like I don't know. There's no head cannon. This is. <laughs> it just sounds like somebody who might care about Dominic. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. This is the top tier analysis that people show up to hear. That's what it is. There's no head cannon. <laughs> I just gave you the perfect synopsis of why he's over as a heel. And of course, like usual, it's objectively correct. There it is. Why are we opening up with Dominic? I have, well, well, I just thought it was going to be a little bit. Then you went into the you know the deep dive uh, into Dominic's career and why he's getting it. But no, we are, we are uh, going to talk about more important wrestling uh, this week. I do promise you that. We have a lot to get to. Uh, we have a, uh, NXT Network Special. Gosh darn it, Joe. It just so happens to be on the same day as ROH Final Battle. It's happened. Oh, the worst luck WWE has with scheduling these events the same day that other shows of their competition are on. But they did it yet again here. Uh, so we'll talk about that. WWE Day 1 is no more. Possibly forever. Potentially forever. Sounds like it might be forever. Uh, Hangman Page will do the update on uh, his injury for what we know from uh, what happened in the main event, of course. Uh, of Dynamite this week. Uh, Ace Steel is gone from AEW. We talked about this a little bit in our Instant Reaction Live that it felt like some dominoes were uh, beginning to fall in the uh, brawl out uh, situation, the CM Punk Young Bucks situation, and now it looks like that's the first one to fall. Ace Steel gone uh, from AEW. And then we also mentioned on that show how you, there was a little, 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 little thawing uh, here and there of the situation with, with Punk showing up on, on a video and the Elite being mentioned by name. But uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more later in the show. Triple Mania. Mexico City, the final Triple Mania of the year. I had to qualify it uh, that way uh, because there's been multiple Triple Manias this year, but we watched this show. Uh, We will recap this. You watched the entire show like an absolute maniac. Uh, I watched the last three matches of uh, Triple Mania, so we will review and talk about that. Uh, Carl Anderson in New Japan, uh, he is booked. Machine Gunka is double booked. He's doing the Saudi Arabia show, and he's supposed to be doing Battle Autumn. Well, one of those made the cuts, and the other one is not happening. We'll tell you which one that is. You could probably guess which one that is. Uh, we'll also discuss some stuff going on uh, in and around the podcast and in and around uh, the VoicesWrestling.com uh, as well. The Wrestling 101 project that we just launched a couple weeks ago. Uh, little details about that. We'll discuss that whole project and why you should probably check that out. Uh, Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame season as well, which means we'll be doing our usual uh, Hall of Fame coverage at uh, flagshippatreon.com. But we'll touch on the rule changes uh, with that ballot, kind of get you up to speed. And then, you know, obviously, if you want to hear more about that, uh, we're going to do a ton uh, over on Flagship Patreon. But let's uh, start out here with uh, Dynamite this week and the head-to-head ratings battle with 
uh, NXT. So they were obviously both on Tuesday this week with Dynamite being moved over. Uh, we did an extensive review of that show uh, at FlagshipPatreon.com, Instant Reaction Live, uh, AEW Dynamite Title Tuesday. So if you want that, it was like two hours or two plus hours. It was pretty long uh, of us recapping that entire show, discussing the career arc of MJF, like where we see him in the future, uh, the Hangman Page injury, all the other stuff. But that is all there on FlagshipPatreon.com, uh, $10 tier, Instant Reaction Live. Uh, for AEW Dynamite title Tuesday. But let's talk ratings here. That's that's why there was no Thursday Dynamite review for people who might be wondering because I wasn't going to review the show twice in a span of like 10 hours. So um, it's on the $10 tier this week, the Instant Reaction Live. Also, if you are a non-subscriber, there's a little teaser if you go on our YouTube page where you can listen to our deconstruction of the MJF uh, William Regal promo. You can listen to that for free on our YouTube page. Yeah, it's about 20 minutes so. or so. So you're getting a good chunk of it uh, there. But obviously, if you want the rest of the show, that that is at Flagship Patreon. But we're trying to do that a little bit more. You know, grab these, these you know, 10 to 15, 20-minute clips. Uh, I put them on YouTube so that you guys can get a little bit of a preview uh, of what we talk about, what we're doing, some of our, you know, things that we're pretty proud of that we think a lot more people uh, should should check out and should listen to, and make sure you spread the word. Let people know about it as well. We're trying to grow uh, the the you know the, the podcast as much as we can, uh, and YouTube is kind of a way that we're hoping to do so uh, moving forward. So yeah, obviously like, share, all that other stuff that you can do to help us out. Subscribe. Hey, hey listen, hey, listen. We don't typically do this, but fuck it, let's do this. Last month, want to thank everybody. Our most successful month behind the paywall in our history, and that is—can we say that, Rich? Absolutely, you could say it. And what, what, what's, what's? We don't typically do that. We, we don't, don't. We don't. We don't come out and tell everybody about every benchmark we clear or any of this. But last month was our most successful month in terms of total subscribers, in terms of total revenue behind the paywall. So we want to thank every single subscriber who helped us achieve that. And um, you know, subscribers come and go, and that's cool. We've always said. Come in for the shit you want to hear. We understand that, you know, everybody works hard for their money. You can dip in and out. We're cool with that. But last month, for whatever reason, whether it was all out, whether it was just uh, some of the other, you know, whatever the reason was, our most successful month ever um, uh, from all facets, from all angles, uh, from all statistical uh, uh, angle. So thank everybody for that. And, um, and, and if you are someone who hasn't been subscribed for a while, has been thinking about subscribing, you may as well jump in because we also have the uh, the anniversary billing, which we've been pushing the last couple of weeks. Uh, you know, so that that's a big change. You don't have to worry about what time of month it is anymore. You could just subscribe and you're good for 30 days and you're going to get charged again uh, on that same date the following month. So easier for us, easier for you, better for everybody. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and one more thing about that, you know, th- that record month is. You know, you and I had discussions about this a lot that last year's All Out, we basically considered, okay, let's never care about that month ever again. Yeah. that was the best month we were ever going to have. It was so far and away better because than Because of ever- Punk's return. Yeah, yeah, Punk came back. Danielson came back. That show was incredible. <laughs> we did the instant reaction live. That We got a, a ton. And you and I basically said, okay, moving forward. It's an anomaly. Let's take this month out of our our, our, our listings. Analysis. Because, yeah. yeah, we're just because it's no point in trying to chase that ever again. Like we're never going to hit that mark ever again. There's no point in even considering it. We did it. <laughs> we did without even like you know really trying to you know with that. I I, I kept saying you can't. No, there's no way, Joe. We beat last year's all out. Yes, we did, and that's that to me is unbelievable because yeah, that was a month that we just considered. Forget it. We're not even going to ever try to get there ever again. It's never going to happen. 
and kind of casually we did. So yeah, it, it, we want to thank all you guys for doing that and, and uh, spreading the word about it because obviously we're, we're, you know, we're not on Twitter uh, anymore, but uh, it, it shows the power of, of word of mouth and it shows the power of the content that people like and the it, content. It, it's good content and they find it and they stick around. So that's good. And it shows how overrated Twitter yep. is in building an audience because our audience is bigger than ever in every respect show downloads, paywall, and we haven't been in on Turkey, Twitter. Number one in Turkey. Number one in Turkey. And we haven't been on Twitter in over a year. We haven't tweeted anything but links for over a year. And every single facet of our business is higher than it's ever been. People can you know, take that however they want. It's been a shock to me too. But, um, but yeah, just uh, thank everybody for that. It was funny. We would always throw that month. We, every month we'd analyze how we did behind the paywall and we wouldn't even count that month from last year because it was so ridiculous and 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 such an anomaly and we and, and we actually managed to beat it this past month so um again we don't like to do this very often we you know we, we don't we very very rarely talk about this but uh, I just wanted to thank everybody for the record month last month. Absolutely. And, and thanks CM Punk as well. He's in the Voice of Wrestling flagship podcast, whatever the hell, uh, Hall of Fame for us. Because uh, anytime he's doing shit, <laughs> people like to listen. So uh, he made this, this this whole thing is because of him, too. So God, I hope that guy comes back. <laughs> yeah, he's, a, he's a money train for yeah, us. You want to talk about sure. putting food on the table? It's all about punk. My God. Oh, maybe maybe that maybe that's the psychology behind why I'm not so hard on him for brawl out, right? Maybe there's something. Yeah, because you're like, oh, I kinda see his side of the story. <laughs> like I'm everyone everybody else, else is like, everybody else is like, like this unhinged maniac must be fired and never brought to wrestling ever again. And you're like, eh, I don't know. There's some truth I'm to it. Like, I'm like, listen, let's listen to Phil's side of things. You know? <laughs> right. Phil Phil makes some good points. Let's <laughs> right. consider what Phil has to say. Right? He's that's gulping what... down, you know, his seltzers and <laughs> eating his cupcakes yeah yeah you know maybe that maybe there's a part of me that that's why uh <laughs> i mean you know that that could be part of the reason here i'm sure it but, is uh, but uh, there you go yeah that, that is that is that so uh move on now to the uh, as we said the aw dynamite versus nxt tuesday night ratings battle this data comes uh from wrestlenomics uh aw dynamite preempted last night on tbs uh at 8 p.m uh, uh you know obviously went to the, the tuesday moving from wednesday to tuesday i was watched by seven uh, 752,000 viewers on average uh for a 0. 0.26 18 to 49 rating uh, WWE NXT on USA Network was watched by 676,000 viewers on average for a .18 and the 18 to 49. Dynamite ranked number 8 uh, in 18 to 49 among cable originals. NXT ranked number 12 uh, in 18 to 49 among cable originals. So that's that's kind of the meat and potatoes, big numbers there. Uh, what were your reactions to seeing those numbers, and are they about where you thought they were going to be? I, I think it's... Not that far off from that prediction that you made on the Instant Reaction Live. So uh, maybe we'll have to bring that audio back. Because you said if you were right, uh, we could bring that back and everybody could listen to it. I think you were pretty close, to be honest. It's actually, yeah, pretty close. Yeah. Um, I think I said 770.28, and it ended up being 752.26 for Dynamite. Uh, I was a little, a little for, I think I said 0.19 for NXT, maybe, and 720. And then I said, wait, 720 is way too high. And then uh, it ended up being 676. So thank you, Rich, for allowing me to pat myself on the back. Of course, yeah. <laughs> you know, you don't need an excuse, but uh, you didn't seem right. to say anything. So I was like, all right, never mind. I'll, I'll see what well, I'm about. a humble man. So I was, you know, I was going to lay low on that. But I appreciate the uh, the setup there. Um, no, listen, I, there's there's no other way to analyze these numbers for both shows other than that these weren't good numbers. 
numbers for both of these shows uh, doesn't know what they're talking about. Okay, for Dynamite to do a uh, 0.26 and for NXT, NXT may have been up from the week before with that 0.18. Weren't they at a 0.16 uh, let me get or the a 0.17 exact. the week before? I think that, they, yeah, this yeah. was a good number for NXT. Let me get the exact week to week date. I'll get that in a second for you, but go on. So, so, you know, for NXT to be up, which I think that they were in the 18 to 49, first of all, going head to head with Dynamite, who beat the shit out of them for 18 months straight until they ran with their tails between their legs to get away from them. Up 18%. Plus all of- up 18% week over week. Down 8% in total viewership, up 18% uh, in uh, 18 to 49. So that was just people, I, I think what you can take there from that is people were just watching wrestling and switching back, back and forth between the two type of stuff. That's exactly it. And to be up going head to head with dynamite and going head to head with uh the uh NBA season tip off the MLB playoffs and NHL games that's a excellent number for NXT and I thought it was a very good number for dynamite too to hold up as well as they did um so uh, again you know any other analysis other than that is just completely off base in my mind because that's as stiff as the competition gets. And in terms of Dynamite, they switched nights on top of everything else. Not only were they going up head-to-head with another wrestling show, not only were they going up against you know, three major sports leagues, they also had the disadvantage of switching nights. And we know historically what switching nights does to these shows. In fact, if you compare this Dynamite number to other times that the show switched nights, they smoke a lot of those other numbers and with far more competition including competition from NXT. So, uh, yeah, no other way to slice it. Both shows held up tremendously well. And, uh, you know, quite honestly, they should have because Dynamite obviously loaded up their show. They, they did four championship matches, a world title match. NXT brought in um, all of the reinforcements from the main roster. Now, the inside word is that they very badly wanted to make a statement and beat Dynamite because this was a good opportunity to, to, to catch them. You have them switching nights. You're going head to head. You're bringing in people from the main roster, and both shows are going to get slaughtered by the sports competition. So it was a good opportunity. But in my view, if they really wanted to beat AEW, they didn't bring in big enough stars from the main roster. In my view, I'm sure the people that they brought in helped to some degree, but uh, they could have made a stronger challenge. I think if they really brought in the big guns, fuck it, bring Roman Reigns in. I, I mean, just. You know what we, I mean? like, we, we said the same stuff when, when the original kind of quote unquote war was happening is that, you know, NXT, there was always this big talk and this big game of, oh, we're going to try to compete. We're going to try to beat AEW. But then it was like, you know, it's Finn Balor and Dolph Ziggler. And so it's like, no, if you guys really want, I mean, you could. It's not. I don't think like in those original early, early days of that early head to head. I don't think it would have been that hard to beat AEW if you were NXT. If you bring out. The big guys, like you said, if Roman Reigns shows up in the show, and we said that, like the first week, fucking put Roman Reigns out there, put you know, put everything that you could possibly do, and, and set the stage for you know to, to to beat them. That if if it's so important to beat them that one week, which it clearly is enough to you know kind of semi load up the show uh, as they did this week. Yeah, you got to do more than Sony Deville and you know Gels and Anderson and stuff. It's like all right, come on, like there's there's ways to do it, and it's it's weird because they always. 
they always have this idea that like it's not going to take that much for us to beat AEW. And it's one of the problems that sunk them in the original wars. They thought, all right, we'll bring the B team or we'll bring you know the developmental. We'll be fine. We'll be okay. We'll beat them. And then they didn't. You know, they got their blows door their doors blown off as many times as they did, and then it just never worked. And then they you know would obviously go back and be, oh yeah, you know it was the developmental they beat and all that sort of stuff. But internally, they wanted to beat. AEW. They wanted to, and that was the goal, but they never wanted to go all the way into doing it. They never really tried to do it all the way. I know, like, Charlotte was maybe the top star they brought in, and well, Edge, I guess, but that was the week when uh, Edge, you know, obviously tanked ratings across all three shows, an incredible uh, all time great achievement by Edge, but like, they never went all the way there. They never went all the way through with it. And this, I kind of feel like the same thing. Like, they loaded, they quote unquote loaded the show up, but they really didn't give that much of an effort. And it's like, it wouldn't have taken that much more. We look at those numbers. I mean, there's they're one good guy. They're they're Roman Reigns away from absolutely destroying AEW this week. Right? I don't th- I see. I disagree with that. I, I see. I think that the gap was still pretty big, 0.26 to 0.18 uh, from that standpoint. And honestly, I think part of the reason they don't bring their biggest stars is because I think they realize that they'll probably still lose, and that's extra embarrassing. And and that so, is yeah. That's obviously one issue. Is if you if you if you really load it up and like really bring out the big guns and then you still lose then it's it's absolutely embarrassing so that's hey listen so it's always easier to kind of say ah well yeah we, we're gonna yeah when they beat the felt metal they beat this you know they beat nxt that's not the same thing you know that, that's head to head um closer to apples to apples fs1 versus whether it was i can't remember if it was tnt or tbs at that time the bunny beat roman reigns and brock lesnar had that yeah so and that was now look that was actually AEW with the high ground because Again, whether it was TBS or TNT at the time, I can't remember. But either way, there isn't much of a difference between TBS and TNT to begin with. There's more. There, it, that's a larger universe than FS1's uh, household penetration. So they did have the high ground. But it was still shocking to everyone that AEW didn't even load up their show that week for that Friday where they went head-to-head with the FS1 SmackDown, where WWE – did the overrun on purpose. They did the, the huge Brock Lesnar role and loaded it up with Brock, Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns. And for the half hour, they went head to head. They lost, which was humiliating. I mean, I, I wrote about that behind the paywall. That's now in a vacuum. None of these little head to head battles really mean anything other than bragging rights. They really don't mean. No, anything. They're, they're completely worthless it's in the grand scheme of things. Completely meaningless other than for bragging rights. Right. Okay, so AEW beat WWE head-to-head for a half hour. The Bunny beat Roman Reigns. That's just meme fodder. That's really all it is. Okay, same for this week. AEW wins pretty handily, 0.26 to 0.18. Again, what does it mean in the grand scheme? It means that, you know, uh, Tony Tony Khan gets to send out, you know, a smarmy tweet. I don't even know if he bothered. And, uh, you know, but – but. It, it's it's still that's still important to these people because they have egos, right? And that's why you load it up. And I and, and to be honest, I don't think WWE specifically loaded up NXT just to beat AEW. I'm sure that was part of the goal, but part of it was also the rest of that killer competition as well. I mean, if they hadn't loaded up their show, uh, you know, perhaps they wouldn't have had, to have growth again. To have growth versus all of that competition is just that's a tremendous night for them. You know, so what they did worked. It worked well enough to have growth versus all of that competition, but it you know wasn't even close to enough to beat AEW. And and I disagree with you. I think even if they would have brought in the bigger stars, I think they still would have lost. And I think that might be part of the reason they don't do it mm-hmm. because then it's extra embarrassing to take an L 
when you you know because they've brought in charlotte before i, I don't know if you mentioned did you mention i did charlotte? yeah i mentioned charlotte is like one of the, the probably the biggest one that they tried the first time yeah charlotte and and moving finn balor to the brand full time for a while there and and you know but I, that those are about the biggest stars that they've tried it with and it didn't work then you know and charlotte you know, we were calling her Charlotte 8,000 for a while because she added a whopping 8,000 viewers to her quarter hour and her quarter hour still lost. So, um, you know, there's that aspect of it, too. Look, if you're a W, if you're a big WWE star and that gets pitched to you, I don't I, I find my way out of doing it. Oh, I certainly. don't want to lose. Oh, head sure. because, yeah, because I, I'm probably going to lose. And I don't want I don't want to lose to them at that that that's you know that's a ding on my reputation if I'm Seth Rollins or I'm now I tell you I tell you what if they would have promised the fiend for NXT what do you think would have happened Oh man yeah yeah that 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 for sure or Bray, Oh I'm sorry Bray Wyatt <laughs> Yeah he's not the fiend he's Bray Wyatt yeah. he's having internal struggles in his mind and his brain yeah yeah uh, no I I think that's yeah, yeah, that he might be the one that could have made it super close. That might do it. I think the list is very. I, the, the list is Brock, Roman, and Bray is about the only three that I could think of. I uh, think the list is Bray. I think if you put Brock I mean, on that show, it, it probably maybe in a big. I think um, you. I think you can't. The pro, I don't think you could just have Brock appear like Brock Lesnar appears on NXT. It's got to be like Brock right, versus somebody. Yeah, yeah, right. What are we doing with them? Right. Yeah, that that you know Roman. Though I've listen, I've seen Roman put in those kind of positions too many times and not mean a thing to think that he would make that big of a difference. Uh, you know, whether it's adding him to the MSG show and they sold 400 tickets in six days and then had to bring in Cena to save the day, whether it was, you know, there, there's a million examples. Right. He lost to the bunny. I just told you he lost to the bunny. <laughs> he did that. lose to the bunny. Yeah. Yeah. So and that's a fact. I'm not doing a, a bit. So I've seen Roman put in those positions far too many times during this bloodline run and not make any kind of difference at all to confidently say that he would have made a major difference here. I don't think he would have. I think Bray Wyatt is hot enough right now because even though SmackDown did their usual numbers, I don't know if you saw the quarter hours, it was his quarter hour popped big. You know, the for the 6 minutes that he came on at the end or whatever, otherwise SmackDown would have been down from their usual level. So uh, it looked like when the overnights came out and then the final came out that it was like, oh, this Bray thing, people got it out of their system. Maybe they're done with it. But not that's not quite the case because uh, his quarter hour did excellent and was the and was the biggest thing on the show. So there's still some mileage that they're getting out of Bray Wyatt here. OK, so that's now the third number that he's popped. So as hot as he is right now among their fan base. I think Bray is the list. I don't think you want to throw a Brock in there. All right, but um, I'm not giving you Roman, though. I, I've seen too much contrary evidence to trying to use him to pop numbers and it not working. So anyone, I mean, uh, Judgment Day, uh, is there anybody else? Yeah, I think like, well, I mean, uh, if you really wanted to <laughs> do something, you know, you would say you'd get Sasha Banks coming back and you sign her to a contract and say she's going to deb- debut. But then. I mean, how much are you blowing out to just win this one week? That doesn't fucking matter. That doesn't mean anything. <laughs> right, right. Like, that's dumb. Like, if you do that, you're being dumb. Like, I, I think if you have somebody there and you say, hey, Brock, can you show up? Or, yeah, can you, you know, Bray, uh, just why don't you pop on over and do a Wyatt family thing or whatever? You know, that that's fine because that doesn't disturb. I mean, that's not like anything that you're giving away that that. But if you, like, say, hey, Rich, Sasha Banks returns on NXT, it's like, yeah, you won the one week. But, man, that's a bigger moment that you probably want to use for something more important than, you know, beating AEW in a weekly, you know, Tuesday head to head. 
Yeah, and now we're playing Fantasyland because we don't even know if she's signed. Right, right, right. Now we're now we're yeah. If they sign, if they you know yeah, if John Cena appears and faces Brock, like now we're just now we're fantasy booking random stuff. So it's not uh, that important. Important correction, Rich. We have given her too much credit. It was in fact Charlotte seven thousand. Seven thousand. That's right. Yes. Yeah, one thousand. Charlotte seven thousand. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that was uh, so amazing. I remember. I remember the anticipation when those ratings came out, and it was like, oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. that's. Not much higher. <laughs> That's she's yeah. That was it. Ended a lot of that. The, the, man, that NXT run where they it ended a lot of people that were like, "Hey, this guy's a big deal," or "Yeah, she's a big deal." And it was like, no, nope, none of these people really matter at all. None, nobody really, you know. The Edge, I never forget the Edge week where it was just like, yeah, the Edge did not matter at all. And, and from that point forward, it was like he never mattered. You know what I mean? Nobody ever gave a shit. And the Sasha st- or the, uh, the the Charlotte stuff, I remember just being blown away by that too. And it feels like her, you know, star. Aura kind of felt and took a big hit from that too. So your your point is strong that like if you bring a Roman Reigns and he gets you know they still lose to Dynamite. Like how does that look you know to him you know from the outside looking in of people that analyze and look at this stuff? Yeah, it's probably not great. Or or internally because trust me, internally they care about this shit. They do. They they probably shouldn't as much as they do, but it's wrestling and that's how it goes. Especially in these wars is they care about this little shit you know winning ratings wars winning hell i can tell you they care because look at what they did on NXT this week they did they tried to add you know main roster people and add stuff to try to get that one week of of, of a bump that's why every single week they're trying these halloween havocs and this throw and that show and that show like this little dumb rating stuff uh it matters it matters a lot to them so uh yeah for people who might not know yeah that that week that edge came on nxt what rich is referring to is that week Edge appeared on Raw, NXT, and SmackDown, and all three of his quarter hours dropped, and 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 from the previous quarter hours on those uh, specific shows. So that was a uh, very embarrassing week for uh, for Adam Copeland. <laughs> yeah. That's his name, right? Adam, yes, uh, actor extraordinaire Adam Copeland, who's yes appearing the, uh, in some movie that I saw in a press release that I don't care to remember what it was so oh really we got some dopey press release about <laughs> some, yeah it movie? was like some dumb it's like adam copeland stars in something i've never gonna watch and i've never heard of so i just kind of let it go so. he is a master thespian um things to consider about these numbers this week when you look at the quarter hours AEW opened up huge because they had the huge lead-in audience from the post-game show of the yankee guardian game you know, if that game had gone a little bit longer, because the game ended a half hour, there was yeah, a half hour. About six thirty-eight, I think, is when it ended. Yeah, so you got to figure that you know, tons of people switched over to the whatever the other was it. It was Padres Phillies already, right? Yeah, it was game yeah, one Padres right, right, Phillies. Right. So, um, but they still had the the lead in an enormous lead in because the show opened at over a million viewers in quarter hour one. And then quarter hour two averaged 824,000 viewers. So an immediate drop, which obviously indicates that if we had the minute by minutes, I'm sure the first few minutes of that first quarter hour were enormous, you know, maybe close to 2 million. And then they immediately lost everybody who realized that the postgame show was over. So that helped them. For NXT, they did an overrun. And we know that overruns are always very helpful. The NXT overrun, uh, quarter hour eight did 619,000 total viewers and then the overrun averaged 703,000 viewers so almost a hundred thousand viewer increase from quarter hour eight to the overrun quarter so that helped their average a little bit uh as well going unopposed 
with AEW for however many minutes that was. I don't know if it was it a full fifth. No, it was like seven minutes or something like that. Or I don't, I don't think it was a full quarter, but they did um, have an overrun. So um, the the Dynamite show also dropped big time once it turned over to the second hour. So I don't know what happened there. I don't. Is that when an NBA game might have started at at uh, nine Eastern? Nine Eastern on Tuesday. Let me. Yeah, they may have done the switch over. Yeah, because I think the first NBA game that week was started at like six thirty. Um, let me let me look at the Tuesday NBA schedule because that could probably give us that exact. I forget when that game switched over, but you're probably you're probably right. Yeah, because. While you're looking that up, the show the the show peaked outside of the fake quarter hour one, which we know is bullshit. The show peaked with the MJF William Regal thing right before the top of the hour. Eight hundred twenty seven thousand viewers, four oh five in the demo. Those were both the high water marks. And then immediately after, you know, immediately quarter hour five, which would have been nine to nine fifteen, the show dropped to six four six hundred forty five thousand total viewers. And never hit 700,000 viewers again for the rest of the night. So something happened at 9 p.m. I'm guessing that's when the, the second NBA game started. Um, yes. So that was, yeah, that started 10 p.m. Eastern uh, was that. And that was, you know, so 10 p.m. Eastern is when the, the, the Warriors-Lakers uh, started. But it also had all the pregame festivities and the ring ceremony and that sort of stuff. So, yeah, that that appears to be when everybody started. So would that have been the end of the Celtic Sixers Yes, game which was a great the... game, by the way. Which So it was like a thing where maybe if you checked in, you went, whoa, this is a good game. I'm going to finish this out. And then immediately when that game was over, they went right to, like, the ring ceremony with the Warriors and stuff. So if you have any sort of sports or, or, or NBA affinity, you were going to check that out anyway. If you went to go say, hey, when is the Warriors ring thing going to happen? You switched over and you saw a really, really good game going on. Uh, on, on one hand, so then you might as well just stick around and watch through the, the ring ceremony too, which you know lasted, God, about fifteen. Wow, man, because we, we were doing the uh, we were doing the interaction live while that was still yes. all going on. So yep, um, yep. it lasted probably about a half hour or so the ring ceremony. But uh, the quarter hour seven really dipped low. Uh, five hundred eighty-one thousand total viewers and two hundred seventy-five in the demo. The low mark for the show for the Jade Cargill stuff and then two commercial breaks. And we know commercial breaks just – and that's the one thing with these quarter hours that you ha- you really have to know where the commercials are because that's where you lose your viewers. You know, the, the, you know occasionally when we get the minute by minutes, uh, you, you, it, the, the pattern is clear. Commercials, people dip out. They flip around. They watch other things. It, it's it's automatic. And then the final quarter hour with the conclusion of the main event, it shot back up to uh, that was the highest quarter hour of the second hour of the show in both total viewership and demo. So that was the story with AEW. And for NXT, it was, I you know, the demo line was pretty much a straight line from the beginning until the end of the show. I mean, there is just nothing to analyze. It doesn't seem like, yeah, I'll tell you what, their one dip in the demo and their one and their biggest dip in total viewership coincided with the MJF William Regal quarter. So I think it's safe to conclude that a lot of the people who were channel flipping, but you know, favoring NXT, they spent that quarter hour watching MJF and William Regal. Yeah. Well, spent. because quarter hour well spent for sure. That quarter hour has the biggest dip for what, NXT. What was on NXT in that quarter? It was, uh, Oh my god! A whole bunch of shit. It's impossible. <laughs> nothing, to... nothing, nothing that mattered. Nothing that was better than uh, MJF and William Regal. I take it. There was a backstage promo. Um, 
a tag team match with Wesley and uh, you know and, yeah and, so, um, so nothing of, of of merit or note a commercial break and then two more promos so a bunch of promos and a short match yeah okay all right so they, yeah that, so, that was gonna get destroyed anyway yeah and you, you have, have MJF an great on the promo channel. and you have MJF yeah you have MJF yeah so everybody switched over and you could see a gigantic dip and then right at nine o'clock after the MJF stuff is done, NXT got almost all of those viewers back. They didn't get them all back because both shows did poorly in the second hour compared to the first, but they, but it shot back up. So just based on looking at these quarters, it's clear to me that the MJF segment was uh, not only a good draw, uh, the best drawing segment for AEW, but it seems to me it took away viewers from NXT as well. So, um, otherwise, you know, you look at this, you look at the quarters for these two shows, at least in total viewership, and they kind of mirror each other. Other than that quarter hour, they kind of mirror each other in terms of the uh, the pattern, which tells me that everyone who was, there were people just, everyone watching wrestling was also keeping their eye on the other stuff going on. And seem to turn the channel to that stuff at the same time. So, um, yeah. Anyway, that's uh, those are the major takeaways from the quarters. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. Got anything else on this nah, stuff? Or? It, it was a pretty, uh, pretty. Just nothing happening. Ratings battle. It's just like, yeah, I don't know. It's fine. <laughs> you know, not, nothing that was too shocking to me. Uh, you know, everything was pretty much exactly where you know. A lot of us thought it was going to be so. Uh, it more like not a really weird number for AEW. Like sometimes these these AEW numbers completely surprise you, but that's pretty much exactly where I thought it was going to go. Uh, and NXT maybe a little bit higher than I thought it was going to go, but uh, a, a good number uh, I'd say for both those, considering you know competition that was on Dynamite having to move nights, NXT getting you know a little bit of a bump from uh, Dynamite going back on on Tuesday. I think so. Yeah, pretty uh, yeah, not nothing too crazy, but you know. Fun little look at the uh, a one-time ratings battle here. But, but the war, Joe, is not done because, gosh darn it, it happened again. WWE has the worst luck when they have scheduling shows on the day that previously scheduled events in their competition are taking place. Because per Fightful Select, uh, December 10th is tentatively slated for the next NXT uh, premium live event. <laughs> it's going to happen there, uh, which December 10th is the same day as ROH's final battle, which was announced uh, this week as well. So they might not be head to head, though, because for right now, final battle is scheduled to happen in the afternoon. It was like 3 p.m. or something like that, I think uh, they announced it as. And NXT, you know, presumably that show will take place at night and not in the afternoon. But uh, regardless, they're trying to, you know, slip in uh, on that day. Uh, December 10th, they decided that is the day on the calendar that they must must have a premium live event. So, Well, yeah, well, whether it's head-to-head or not in terms of what time the show happens, it's obviously deliberate, and anyone who tells you it's yes. not is, is <laughs> what? out of their mind. <laughs> what? But, but beyond being deliberate, it's what, what it does is, you know, even if they run their show after the ROH show is over or before, you, you know, even if the timing is different, it's uh, media coverage being split. It's attention being split. It's wrestling fans making a decision. You know, normal people, meaning not people like us and the people listening to this, might not want to sit down and watch seven hours of wrestling on a Saturday. 
you know, when they have to go Christmas shopping, go to holiday parties and everything else. On top of that, being that it's going to be, you know, creeping up on the 15 days before Christmas. But normal people generally aren't going to want to sit down in front of their TVs and watch seven hours of wrestling. So they're going to pick one or the other. And WWE is keenly aware of all of these things, which is why they're doing this again. So, um, you know, Paul Levesque is he's gotten to he got his ass kicked. And uh, you're going to see more of this. You know, he can no sell it to Ariel Helwani all he wants and say, well, they uh, they beat our developmental brand. Big deal. Well, he does think it's a big deal <laughs> right. because if he didn't think it was a big deal, he wouldn't do it. You know, this is, uh, you know, a wrestling war. And these are the kind of things. This is the WWE playbook. And he's continuing his father-in-law's playbook here. And, uh, you know, obviously deliberate and. The, the plausible deniability of, oh, well, we're running, you know, an hour after their show ends. Again, you're talking about taking headlines from, from wrestling news sites. You're talking about taking attention, splitting the attention with the fans. Uh, you know, you're talking about forcing wrestling fans to, to make a decision on which show they're going to watch and, and all of those things. It's, it's Tony Khan is running a pay-per-view, right? So the idea here is, well, well, we've got this show on Peacock, which yeah, if free. you're a fan, you, can, you yeah, already you have. Yeah, you can already have. If you don't have it, it's free. You can just sign up for Peacock and get it for free. So, which then also helps your decision if you if you don't have time to watch seven hours of wrestling that day. Well, I'm going to watch the one that I've already paid for, as opposed to buying something on pay per view, right? And they know that what they're trying to do here is hurt the buy rate. That's a hundred percent what they're trying to do here. Yes, but how dare, what? That was the date they chose. But the thing about it, Rich, is we have to say that, yes. you know, and it's like, yeah, yeah, of course. Hypothetically, if we were to put this clip on you, we were talking before we put clips on YouTube. Now, if we were to put this clip on YouTube, and I don't think we will, because this isn't any kind of special clip that we're doing here. But if we were to put this conversation on YouTube, you know, for a fact, we'd get comments of people saying that we're the ones that are crazy and they're not running at the same time. And this isn't a, a, a predatory business move. And uh, you know, this is not because people are, you, know, you, you think it's obvious, but to a lot of people, yeah. it isn't. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, to a lot of people, it isn't obvious. You know, there's yeah, how do we people- even know that, the, that they didn't have this date planned and, they, and that AEW didn't run their, you know, like, yeah, we, we get all that stuff. And this is, this happened plenty of times. It's not the first time that happened. It's not the last time it's going to happen. It's hell. It's something that WWE has been doing for 35 years, 40 years. They've been and, doing and, it. And, and, and WWE doesn't give a shit. If less people watch their NXT no. show, as long as they're hurting the buy rate. Yes. Of the ROH Welcome to the WWE business model. The Vince McMahon model of, of running professional wrestling companies is I don't care if we're successful. I just don't want them to be successful. And that's really, it's been a brilliant business strategy for most of his tenure because it's worked. It worked a lot. It worked in the territory days. Hey, I don't give a shit if we're bleeding money. I just want to buy these TV channels out so that none of these fucking territories can ever exist ever again. And then they all went away and then he was the only game in town. So it worked. It worked out swimmingly and then he made money and then they lost money. And then, they made, and then but yeah, it, it's, it, this is, this has been the playbook. This is the Go back and look at the Jim Cracker promotions and, and Survivor Series and Rumbles and all. I mean, just the, the amount of stuff and the, and the head-to-head with those two. And then Jim Cracker promotions then trying to do their counterpunch with, and we'll do Clash of the Champions. We'll give it for free. Like, they did the same yeah. thing uh, as well. They gave out, like, gigantic matches for free on free television just to hurt WWE. And the WWE saying, well, if, you know, then we then you 
told cable companies, if you do this, we're not going to give you WrestleMania. <laughs> we don't want we just we don't want people buying our show because you let them have their show on your network. And then they ultimately didn't do that at all. It was just all bluffing. But like, yeah, this has been the business model, and, and NXT has done this a couple times too. This isn't this isn't Paul Levesque one day, you know, saying, "Oh, not desperate times call for desperate measures." He's done this before with NXT. It happened uh, on a smaller scale. I, I I know for a fact it happened in Chicago. There was an Evolve weekend. This is before you know Evolve was was fully linked up. Uh, with WWE, but there was an Evolve weekend, and and NXT just randomly put a takeover a- against you know the Evolve weekend in Chicago, or whatever, just absolutely destroyed Evolve attendance that that weekend. And yeah, that that stuff kind of happened all the time. That's what they do. That's this company's playbook. So yeah, it, it to to think that oh gosh darn it, what a oh man. Who knew? Who knows how this could have possibly happened? Well, yeah, they they saw ROH final battle and said fuck it. Then we're putting one of our events on the same night. You know, and if if. A hundred thousand less people watch our thing and whatever, who cares? But we gotta hurt them some way. Then it will. I remember I remember being at Joe Cavezza's house for WrestleMania four and we were all running back and forth from the living room to his bedroom to check out, you know, what was going on in the clash. You know? It was uh that was exciting times for nineteen eighty eight or whatever year that was. Uh, you know, when you had the the two major shows going on at the same time and everything. I believe that was the Flair Sting forty five yeah. minute draw. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken, so um, which WrestleMania Four stunk. So I would have definitely been in that other room with, with Flair versus Sting for sure. We were all a bunch of little kids running back and forth. Yeah, it was a tournament though, and stand. tournaments love. I, I that that WrestleMania Four, as much as it stunk, that was one of my most rented uh, uh, tapes of all time. One of the most rented VHS of all time because it yeah. was the double VHS, and I'm like, whoa! <laughs> like I'm gonna get for the price of just one VHS, I'm gonna get two ac- action-packed. VHSs for WrestleMania 4, and there was like 15 good minutes of wrestling on all two. But at that time, I didn't care. It was all about the, the amount of wrestling I could get for the price that I was going to get, and, and that's what WrestleMania 4 gave you. So I was totally deflated when Jake Roberts got eliminated. Oh, he was your pick? Yeah, he was your guy? He was my guy, yeah. Um, that that deflated me as a little kid. But uh, but yeah, that that's, that's what this is, and it's... Uh, you know, it's obviously deliberate and, you know, it's uh, Tony Khan at the at the brawl out presser. You know, I'm not going to take this fucking shit anymore. And, you know, so maybe he's got some counter shots planned. Um, so maybe this thing uh, gets even dirtier and more fun moving forward between these two companies. You know, I'm all for the drama. Obviously, it gives us stuff to talk oh, about. It's great. it's great. And it makes things exciting. Wrestling and, is um, drama, man. This is what this is the <laughs> dumbest business. These people are fighting yeah. over this like small crumb of people that still watch wrestling. This like minute little niche of people that still watch wrestling, and they're fighting tooth and nail over this small little group of people that are all listening to this show too. You're part of that group. You're part of that small little group that these yeah, you idiots know, you, are fighting over for no reason. <laughs> you say that, but you know, there's there's billion dollar TV right, deals right, on right, the line. right, and and, and and you know, Jordan Smith brings up a great point in the uh, note up chat room. He says uh, certainly coincidence that this move happens just as rumors of ROH finally uh, finalizing a, uh, a potential deal uh, you know, for their streaming or for their television emerges. So yeah, I'm sure it just took another quick complete coincidence. So there you go. That is uh, that is the latest on that. Uh, apparently the announcement is going to come at uh, Halloween Havoc uh, this week. So they're going to do that Halloween Havoc show this week and apparently the announcement will come uh, there. So we'll see if that uh, holds true, if Fightful has it right, but uh, it seems like a pretty locked-in thing here, December 10th. 
uh, an NXT uh, event. And and again, like now we when we're gonna cover ROH Final Battle. To your point, like that week we also have to talk about this NXT show. Like we can't right. just have the whole show be about Final Battle. No, it's gonna have to also be about this NXT event. So uh, and that's, I, and that's, that's, and that's a and that's a huge part of the idea yeah. to split all of that real estate on the front page of these sites and these podcasts and and the media coverage and everything. And um, yeah, that that's that's the playbook, and that's what we're seeing with that. Uh, all right, so now let's move on to, well, another WWE thing here going on, a pay-per-view that will not be, uh, sorry, a premium live event that will not be happening. And last year, we had discussed this a lot when this event first got announced, that the WWE Day 1, the idea was clearly a Nick Khan initiative that we are going to run a, a a major show every single year on January 1st. It's a big sports day. It's a giant day. Everybody's home. Why don't we use that day as well? Why don't we just let football have that day? Why don't we put something on there? And, you know, we kind of wondered last year, like we thought it was a cool idea. I, 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 I'm pretty sure you and I both thought, Hey, that's awesome. Cool. I'm home. I'm not doing anything. Yeah. Football's great, but you know, I'll watch wrestling on, on, on new year's day or whatever. And we thought it was a great idea, but we all, we definitely wondered at that time, what is going to happen when it lands on a Tuesday? What's going to happen when January 1st is on a Tuesday? Yes, it's 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 a great idea to say, yeah, we're always going to have on January 1st, we're going to have this, this show, but it, it works a little bit better if it's on a Saturday or a Sunday or, or a weekend or a Friday even. But when it's on a Tuesday and you're asking people, okay, it's New Year's Day and you got to stay up till you know 7 or 8 p.m. for this event that's going to end at you know 11 p.m. or whatever, it's a little bit of a different ask than if it's you know on a Saturday, which worked out perfectly for the first year of it. It was on a Saturday. It was great. I watched it. I enjoyed it. I know you did as well. I think we both kind of thought, hey, that's a really cool idea. I hope this keeps going. But we wonder if, you know, maybe it's going to get a little weird, you know, when it lands on a, on a Tuesday. Well, we never have to worry about that because per WrestleNomics, the January 1st pay-per-view WWE Day 1 has been canceled and will not be rescheduled. Now, as far as this year's idea of having it, um, this was going to go head-to-head with Sunday Night Football, Joe. Now, you as a football fan, why is that a problem? Well, I mean, obviously you're going to pick the football game and it's going to, it's going to, you know, I, I don't, here's the, here's the thing. The problem is like you're saying, if you're just going to go January 1st, every single day, every single year, rather, right. It's going to fall on a different day of the week and you're going to face different kinds of sports competition every year. That's always going to be a variable that's in play, the varying levels of which bowl games are going to be when and uh, whether you're going to have to go to head to head with the NFL and all of NBA these different games. things. There, there tends to be some pretty big NBA games on that day usually as well. You never know what you're going to be competing with, right? And you never know what's going to be going on in the market that you're running the show in uh, year to year. And, you know, it just feels to me like we all know this was a Nick Khan initiative. We know that. That's a fact. And we know that Vince was obviously on board with the idea, but this might be one of those things where Levesque just disagrees with Vince and maybe it's because of all of these unknown variables year to year and considering what you're going to have to compete with, or maybe Levesque just feels like it's too much for January. The focus needs to be completely on the Royal Rumble. Well, so the reason I kind of set you up for this, because I think there might be another potential reason for this, not necessarily WWE's full idea here, who has the Sunday, January first Rams at Chargers game, Joe? What 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 will that be? What will that air on? Well, I'm guessing if it's a Sunday night football, it has to be NBC. It's so NBC, you have a conflict of interest, but also Peacock. Yeah, 
So there's a chance that Peacocks looked at their internal and went, no, 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 no. Oh, I see you're saying you're thinking maybe Peacock. I, I wonder if if maybe he didn't say, hey, you guys can't have this, but kind of said, hey, do you guys really need to have this show? Like, you know, what what you know, does it really need to be going head to head with the thing that we're paying, you know, billions of dollars for here with with NBC and and streaming it on Peacock and January 1st? And this seems like a bad idea. Maybe there's a better time that we can put this on. Hey, are you guys cool with doing it? You know, and that and that's. You know, sort of what Russellnomics you know brought up as well is that the show, the tickets were scheduled to go on sale September 23rd, but something happened before that, and they got delayed, and they never got restarted. So somebody somewhere, whether you're saying it was Paul that said this thing is stupid, why are we doing this, or I, I do wonder if maybe there was also you know, not necessarily NBC or Peacock saying hey you cannot have this on, but maybe a little bit of like uh, do you guys know what's going on? <laughs> like, are you sure that you want this? You know, on on you know January first, is that really something that is that a fight you guys want to fight? And do you really want you know, or, or maybe even internally, Nikon looks at it and goes, oh shit, this is not a fight that we need to be fighting with with, with our you know television partners, uh, NBC. So let's just you know get off here and let them have their day. I, I don't know what it was, but there's probably a multitude of factors that 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 play into it. But a Sunday January first, you know, pay per view. Streaming on Peacock for a lot of reasons is not good. Do these Sunday night football games? Do they also stream on Peacock? I don't even know the answer. Uh, to that. I'm pretty sure they do. I'm pretty sure they do. Okay, yeah, I, I would think that they probably would. Um, because I'm someone if I have if I all things being equal, I'm just putting on the fucking TV. Oh, of course, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you know, I'm not dealing with the stream. So yeah, that, that I, I think they advertise all those games as live on Peacock and NBC. In yeah, case you, know, you don't have NBC, yeah. you know, if you if you're still just you know. Yeah, it's that's where I'm at. So. Yeah, if you're gonna, if you don't have, if if I mean, it's over the air. But I, I understand a lot of people aren't going to go buy the fucking twenty dollar antenna or whatever the fuck. Um, and yeah, if you're going to pay for Peacock, then yeah, they they're going to give you everything. So yeah, you, 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 it, it, that could be. Yeah, you're right. It could be a conflict of interest. Maybe peak. Maybe NBC had a problem with it. That's true. I didn't even think about yeah. that. To be honest, I was just thinking about it from the standpoint of the competition changing on a yearly basis on that day because that's always traditionally been a big sports day, which is why Nick Khan wanted to establish this tradition because he wanted to get in on that. Right. And, uh, you know, maybe Vince thought that was a good idea. NFL be damned. College football be damned. Whatever the fuck. But, uh, you know, I, I was just thinking that maybe Levesque was like, eh, you know, I don't know. This this isn't the smartest thing. And. um you know, and and from from you know my standpoint, I'm thinking, you know, why not just completely focus on the Royal Rumble, which is usually going to be two or three weeks later anyway. Right. right. And and you now know, they I, are, and now it's Survivor Series, and then the Rumble. That you know, I mean, there's nothing in between those now. There's nothing in December. I don't huh? think they're doing a December one. Let me let me clarify that to make sure. But yeah. I'm pretty sure that this year they didn't do a December thing because they were doing this day so one thing in January not, one, yeah. which is essentially December. Right. Yes, right. So. Right. Um, yeah, that, that does make sense. But, um, yeah, I mean, yep, you know, Survivor, Survivor Series War Games. Yeah, it's called, it's, that's the new name now, Survivor Series War Games, uh, November 26th. Oh, uh, yeah, because he's, they're going to do War Games every year there now. That's, that's another Levesque initiative. Yep. So he loves these fucking fake War Games <laughs> matches with the, with the, with the fucking, the roof different and everything. Yeah, I, I don't know. But, um, I've had enough of those, believe me. I've had enough of those. WWE style. I've had enough war games. Period. Yeah. Like, well, and I've always thought we talk about it every single year. The 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 great uh, uh, thing is that we've pretended that war games is actually good when in fact yeah. most of them are bad. There's like two good think. ones yeah. and like thirty of them fucking suck. So that's... yeah, yeah. Multiple companies. You know, MLW trying to do them. 
Um, I, you know, most companies have tried a variation of it. I mean, Blood and Guts is war games. Um, and yeah, they're usually not that great. Um, AEW's done a decent job with them. Yeah, I Blood guess. and Guts is good. Yeah. Uh, ROH, obviously, the Cage of Death with, with CZW, that was a fantastic one. Uh, CZW had some good Cage of Deaths on their own. Those are okay. Crockett was hit or miss. Yeah, Crockett was really there was mostly a couple. Miss. And mostly w- WCW w- was, was almost like, entirely miss, other than like ninety two was the one that people because you'll say like ah war games matches suck and everybody brings up the same one every single the same time. Match. <laughs> it's yeah. Like, well, yeah, I know that one is good, but the other nine were terrible. So. Yeah, yeah, and the NXT ones are just they're too much. I don't know. They're just too much. Well, it's, it's it, they're perfect WWE stuff. It's like they're like it's time for war games. Like the, the lady growls at you, and then a siren goes off, and lights explode, and everything. it's like real, real, and then just it's just like there's no, and then just like a normal like a match happens. You're like, why is this happening in the war games? Like, what do we really need this match to happen? You know, in the confines of this cage, and it's like, well, no, it's time for war games. So yeah, it does, of course. So. They're always like 48 minutes long. And <laughs> right, just- right. It, they're just too much. I don't know. Um, I don't remember anything about any of them because they all feel the same, and they're the all. The only just... one I remember is Dakota Kai and uh, and uh, oh, the Tegan turn. Yeah. yeah, that was that was a good one. But again, nothing that happened actually in the, could have happened on any normal show. It did not need to be in a war games, but that was that was well done. Pat McAfee was in one, right? Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, he was in one with the uh, Undisputed Era. I guess that was all right. Um. Yeah, the one where Adam Cole was on top of the cage, but I don't even—I I don't know. I, I, I remember scant details about some of them, but I—I I don't know. But anyway, that's going to be something that we're going to get in Survivor Series yeah. uh, every year now. But um, so I don't know if this will be. Maybe they'll take this day one thing year by year and just decide based on what else is going on whether they want to do it or not. Um, or maybe it's just dead for good, and then if that is the case. We know that that was a Levesque call. And it, this is also one more example of, and we're going to beat this dead horse, of Nick Khan was never in charge, okay? Um, and this is a perfect example because this is a Nick Khan initiative and Levesque decided they're not doing it. Levesque is the boss, just like Vince was the boss. Nick Khan was never the boss, which is another one of these dumb things that dumb fans seem to think were true as he was more than willing to be the lightning rod for all of Vince's unpopular decisions. And said on a show, I am happy to be the bad guy. I have no problem with everybody hating my guts. I don't care. And one by one, it would be great when somebody would get fired, they would say, oh, I I thought Vince really liked that guy. And then someone would say, oh, yeah, no, Vince did like the guy. Nick Khan fired him. And then that guy, like, tweeting out, like, well, Vince always liked my ideas. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. As Vince goes, all right, pal, all right, you know. Yeah, yeah, good, good idea, good idea, pal. And the door closes, and he just buries the guy. You know I mean? And you know, you know, Nick Khan doesn't care because he he's a busy human who has a life and doesn't ever go on Twitter. And why does he care if if some nineteen year old Bray Wyatt mutant fan doesn't like him? He right. that doesn't he, affect he sits his life in his, at all. In his weird house with this giant pool and doesn't give a fuck that yeah. you know Bray fan sixty nine sixty nine gives a shit that he, you know, he does not care. As he's, he's got things floating. He's yeah. floating as an infinity pool, you know, talking with you know massive sports stars and and, and television networks. He does not care that you know. He's got people shit on Reddit are upset about yeah. him. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't care that you don't like. You know, he doesn't care who likes him or doesn't. I like also him. don't care. I do not have an infinity pool though, so it'd be a little bit nicer I if I had a, a palatial uh, mansion on on a hilltop, but uh, I do not. So, that's... yeah. 
Are you, are you jealous of the Nikon? Uh, no, that house estate? is weird. No, that house is a weird house. A little too modern, right? It's a way too modern. It, it's modern. your boy uh, McVeigh has a very weird house too. That's Kingsbury. Yeah. Oh, is that Cliff Kingsbury the one with just like it's well, just pro- honestly, all it's windows? Probably, no, he has one. Too. No, 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 no. Honestly, no. it's probably both of them. <laughs> no, McVeigh has one too because yeah. I remember Warlocks. Yeah, there was some weird. Yeah, there was just a lot of windows everywhere. Okay, you, I th- all right. Here's the thing. There's I, that picture probably, of him sitting on that couch, and there's just windows that's everywhere. Ki- that, that's Kingsbury. Okay, well, Kingsbury is the weirdo then. Kingsbury. That's Kingsbury at one of the drafts during COVID where you couldn't be together. Yes, yes, and, and it's him in this like. There's nothing on the walls because there are no walls. They're just glass. Yeah, and he's just sitting on this very large couch, like holding an iPad. I'm just like, what's going on here? That's the Kingsbury meme. Okay, yeah, okay. and he's got an outside, there's like an out, outdoor fire pit behind the pool, and there's a whole kitchen no, I'll take out that. there. No, I'll take, I'll, I'll take that. So that's that's, uh, that's that's the Kingsbury, but uh, you know, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure Sean McVay has a very weird looking, equally house too, gaudy so. house with his Eastern European um, <laughs> wife that he just married to. So. Um, I'm sure they all have ridiculous ha- and they're all and it's you know he's in LA so that even uh, increases the odds even more. But okay, uh, I'm no, looking at the picture I, now. You're, you're right. It is Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah, it's just like yeah, it's, it's all marble and the outside just this random fire pit and stuff. Yeah, it's very very. And cool. even the even the outfit he's wearing, he's <laughs> yeah, like, he has no a, socks. He's wearing loafers with no socks. You're like an douche. absolute asshole. <laughs> absolute asshole just a total douche yeah he's wearing yeah. a sweater with the collar kind of high up you know what i mean like it's not it's not a fully folded collar yeah he's got his loafers on with no socks get out of here he's got Fiji like, water next to him go away Fiji water and he's got like the four he's got like the four cell phones all lined up yeah he's got four cell phones a laptop two monitors and his giant tv in front of his fireplace so yeah, yeah, and and you know he's just super casual oh, during the draft, right, you right. know, super cash, super cash. Um, yeah, but um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, the Nick Con house, very modern. From what I remember. <laughs> it's so very, weird. Yeah, it's very uh... like, probably because he's never in it. <laughs> no, you know, no, he's, no, he's, he's got shit to do. You know, is uh, you know, so uh, it, it, the other speculation because you know he's so tight with the Rock. Is, uh, did you see that this I week? I did, yeah. If I'm Paul, I uh, – uh... And The Rock actually had the comment on that, you know, whether, you know, Nick Khan is somehow going to backdoor him into an office position with uh, with WWE, which – you know, but again, The Rock, again, is very busy. That man has a lot of things to do. So does he really have time to take on that kind of that kind of position? Well, not right with now WWE? with the XFL and stuff and his – his impending presidential run, but uh, but yeah, if that all fails, and I guess he's got some time on his hands. I, I think mean, he's got it, bigger fish to fry than that. I honestly, he's bigger than that at this point. So yeah, but he loves the wrestling. He does love the wrestling. Yeah, I, I said if all that fails and he ends up not, you know, that I could see that being a, but that that's many years. I mean, he's still got a lot of time to until that all happens. So the sitcom and the movies and the yeah, XFL and you know. Why do people want to be that busy? That's the question. It sounds, I yeah, it sounds infuriating. It sounds terrible. Like that's just I don't want that much to do. And The Rock is at the point where clearly any money he makes now doesn't make any difference to his lifestyle. So that can't be the motivation, right? Like the money is not the motivation because he has more money than he could ever spend as it is. And so do his future generations. So what is it inside of somebody? What is that gene that makes them just want to constantly have shit to do? Right, that drive, yeah. I think once you get in it, you just can't stop. And now he's in this rat race where he just can't stop. You know what I mean? Like, it's... 
But it's wild, yeah, because he's just, he's in everything. He's doing everything. The guy, he there's no way he sleeps. He just can't. Working out. And he looks like that, too. It's not like he's like a slot. You know, I, I could get it if you were that busy and you're like, yeah, you know what? Look, I, I don't take care of my health. I, like, you don't work out. He's that. He's the rock. You know, he looks, he still has time to be clanging and banging at 4 a.m., you know? So good for him. But, uh, yeah. man, I, I, I don't know. I just, I feel like, let's say this show made us filthy rich, independently wealthy, beyond our wildest dreams. I don't know if I'd take on other projects. I'd be okay with I just, would be perfectly content with being like, all right, sweet. I got, you know. Nothing would change for me. <laughs> no, I would yeah. I would I would I would end this show every Thursday and go right back to my couch with all on my giant pile of money. Right. And the I, TV and might I, be a little bit bigger, your couch might be a little nicer, but that's you know, yeah, I agree. I'm kinda of like I, I, I don't need to get like that much more rich. We've always said that there's like a number that's like, yeah, you know, if I got there, I, I'd be good. It's it's not even the that more it's like I don't need to be that more I don't need that much more shit to do. Like I don't want all this shit to do. Sometimes I dread the show is later on that day. Like and that's all I like sometimes I'm like, ah, I gotta do the show later. Like I wouldn't want to add to that if I was already fucking ridiculously wealthy. Like, but these guys like the rock just have this thing inside of them where like that that guy doesn't how does he have any leisure time with all of this shit that he has going on? He does. But why live like that? Enjoy your <laughs> I money. agree. Yeah, the point's going to come where you know he's going to be older or unhealthy or he's going to have a heart attack or something like that's going to happen, and then he's going to go fuck shit. I've wasted all my life, so I don't know. How's Vince doing? I guess that's a the great comp is how's Vince McMahon doing in his life where he doesn't have anything to do anymore. So, do you think he hates it or do you think he? I mean, he's got that like forty-five-year-old blonde lady that he seems to be banging that he's been pictured with. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I, um, I don't know. So is he just hanging out with his new girlfriend and just uh, is he tuning in to fucking NXT on Tuesday nights? Like, what's <laughs> I don't he know. doing? Yeah, I, I'm I don't. A, I'd love to know. Someone's got to try to get uh, what 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 is this man who would call you at two a.m. to pitch you know ideas about a storyline that nobody else wanted to hear about? You know, how's he doing now? Just literally waking up every day and not having a purpose is, is gotta be, I don't know. Yeah. It's strange. Does he, do you think he watches AEW? No, I don't think he watches. You don't, you don't think if he's home on a Wednesday, he flips <laughs> I don't think, I don't think so. You don't think he checks it out. No, I don't think he watches AEW. I think there's more of a chance he watches it now than when he was. Oh, for, certainly. Certainly. Yeah. Home. He had no time to watch it then. Cause he, he was busy taking the script that everybody worked on and <laughs> throwing it in the fucking trash and rewriting it. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I don't, I don't see if it's a man like, you know, Coming home, taking off his loafers and sitting on the couch going, ah, all right, you know, <laughs> grabbing the remote and going, what's on the tube tonight, you know? I, I don't know. I don't I don't envision that, but maybe. I don't, maybe he's got nothing. You don't think do he's turning on his local CW to check out WoW? <laughs> right, right. You don't think he's doing that? <laughs> you, don't, you, don't, you don't think he's... Uh... Is that what it's on? I actually legitimately have no idea how to watch WoW if I even wanted to. It's in syndication, so it depends on your market. Okay. I think for me, it's on. I watched it this week, and I will never watch it. <laughs> I've heard it's horrendous. Yeah, it's horrendous. It's unwatchable. It's garbage. Um, Let me see how I can watch the uh, the, the women. Of it's got a hundred percent clearance allegedly across the country. So um, I'm sure you have it somewhere on my TV or CW or one of those dopey channels that nobody watches anymore. Um. Maybe uh, WGN or something like yeah, that. It looks like I could just play it on 
their website. Well, if it's on demand, it means it's on. No, it's just on their. I'm not looking at their. I'm. I'm, I thought they would give me like their. Like I would go to their website and they would say, "Watch it on WCIU or whatever." Oh yeah. It doesn't. It. They're just letting me watch the episode on. (laughs) And you're not in a room with one of your TVs. No, no, no. Oh, so so you can't like run a search right now. Yeah, Yeah. it's it's it. Yeah, I mean it was it was on at like two in the morning, (laughs) on um, on my local CW on like Sunday night or something like that, and um, Saturday night slash Sunday morning or Sunday night slash Monday morning something like, and I watched it and it was awful. And I will never watch it again. It's David McLean wrestling, and he stinks. Nothing he's ever done has ever been good. So it's on my CW. Um, yeah, CW twenty six uh, Saturdays at both six p.m. and nine p.m. Yeah, I it's don't uh, watch either. So. It's cheap looking. It's low rent. It's I. It, I don't. I just little tiny ring that bothers me. <laughs> Just, I think didn't they film it in Chicago? Or no, that's Maria's thing. That it's not Wow. It's whatever the Maria uh, wrestling vehicle is. I forget what that one's called. But yeah, <laughs> equally successful, obviously. <laughs> I I don't know. You don't you don't you don't think Vince settles in on the Wednesday? Goes scissor me, daddy ass. You don't think he's watching the? Uh, uh, the I don't. No, I no, I don't. I could actually I, see him watching WWE and like sending an email. Like they still get emails from like Vince at WWE.com or whatever, right? Like he, he's. I think I think Paul might he might give give Paul advice. I think Paul even said he gives him advice. I think he told uh, Helwani that, if I'm not mistaken. But um, I, I I don't know. I I feel like he I, I don't know if he's a devoted viewer. Did you ever hear the story of Vince where uh, he 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 was home and he was trying to watch TV and there was something wrong with the TV, like the, the audio, he couldn't get any audio out of the TV. So he called up the, the cable guy and had the cable guy come out and the, uh, and the cable guy comes out and just unmutes the TV. (laughs) (laughs) And had to teach Vince that, you know, you you must have accidentally muted the TV, sir. There was nothing wrong with your service. And uh, and Vince was perplexed. He didn't know that such a feature existed, <laughs> <laughs> and that he had accidentally hit the mute button on his TV. So, um, do I think this is a man who's filling up his DVR with dynamite episodes? <laughs> That's what I'm saying I no. don't think so. Yeah. But <laughs> but uh, but I think he uh, I think he he might check it out. Yeah, I, I'd be I'd be shocked if he did. That, that's a great story. What's weird though is this: he was like a he was like a normal human at one point in his life, right? I mean, not a long time ago, a long, long, long time ago, obviously. But I mean, in like 1982, he had to like consume television, right? I I, I would maybe I guess <laughs> right. I like at some at some point, I get that from like 1984 until. Five months ago, he no, he never, he was not a normal human being at all. Right, didn't know anything, you know, didn't watch anything, had no idea what was going on in the world, barely watched movies, occasionally would watch them years later, and then base characters off of them and stuff. But yeah, I, he had to be a normal person at, in like 1981, right? Yeah, I remember Shane forcing him to sit down and watch a UFC in like 2006, and. Uh... Because Shane wanted to like buy the, the Pride or UFC or yeah, something yeah. like yeah, that. Yeah, it was UFC. It was UFC. I think proper. Yeah. Yeah, and Vince just didn't get it. Like, you know, <laughs> right. 
He's like, um, no, the guy, no, not a normal man. But yeah, I guess maybe in 1980 he would sit down and it's not like he had nothing to do. He worked for his dad back then and he was at the tapings. Yeah, and, I suppose. Yeah, I guess he got caught in the wrestling world from from a pretty early age and, and, and did it. But what, what is weird, though, is like if you go back and listen to especially like 1993 and 94 Raws or whatever, like they're they're topical about like what's going on in the world. You, you know what I mean? Like so he at least yeah, had some yeah. a knowledge of what he'd be like, ha, ha, Bill Clinton got himself in quite a you know, they do these like weird Well, a lot of that was to was to show the difference between like he did that a lot on Raw when they were head to head with Nitro to try to either give the impression they were live or you know what I mean, like that. But you're they did it on the syndicated shows too a lot. You're right, right, right. Well, yeah, you would do stuff about events. talk about like whatever the football game that day was, even though like they yeah. don't know what the result is because obviously it got taped you know a long time right, ago, right, right. But he'd be like, oh, Cleveland and uh, you know the Browns and uh, uh, but you're not watching that, you're watching raw. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like so instead yeah. of doing that stuff, it was like vaguely aware of things going on in the world. So that, but then that kind of stopped, and then. Well, you know, Vince always goes through phases where he gets certain kicks about things. So it was probably just a matter of, I want the shows to be topical. Yeah. And right, I want right, them to right. be, you know, and then he gets bored with that or decides they don't need to do that anymore and just changes his mind because he went through a million different phases like that with a million different things. So there was probably more so that than him being having his finger on the pulse, which, you know, uh, which we all know that he didn't. So. There you go. So that was our uh, impromptu "What is Vince McMahon doing today?" Uh, discussion. So there we go. Um, all right, stopping Viagra and banging that forty-five-year-old. That's watch probably what about doing. what he's doing. Yeah, he's doing that and and probably working out. He probably wakes up. He works out. Does nothing for a couple of hours. Bangs the, the, the woman and he's hanging out with John Cena and Pat McAfee. And he's just you know he's clanging and banging uh, in the gym and uh, and then clanging and banging you know after the gym. So good. Yeah, he's waking up in the morning and going, ah, I got another day. And, you know, he's looking over <laughs> his shoulder for the Reaper, and that, that's what he's doing. thats I mean, when you get to that that's, age, it's probably just, like, trying not to die, right? When you get to that age, you wake up, and you're like, ah, oh, that's a surprise. <laughs> Oof, all right, good. Yeah, you know, yeah. You know, that that's kind of where he's at. So, but his mother lived to, like, 115 or something. So, <laughs> right, who right. knows? Yeah, who the hell knows of him? So, uh, we will see. His brother died young, though. His bro- well, like 60s, right? In yeah, 60s. Rod. Yeah, Rod. Yeah, he died um, many. Yeah, a bunch of years ago too. I forget. He wasn't yeah. elderly, is the point. No, like, no, 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 no. Yeah, he's a, he died before he should have died. Is the right, his, right? Yeah, he's probably in his late 60s or something, maybe or early mid 60s or something like that. So, um, you know, and his father didn't died pretty young too. His how old was uh, his father? Probably did he make it to 70? Um, I don't know I if he made that. Let's don't that up. think so. So I know his grandfather. I'm looking at this right now. His grandfather, seventy two, for his grandfather. So that's you know that's a, a, a decent run there. Uh, as yes. far as sixty nine years old for uh, our Vincent J McMahon. Yeah, he got sick, and um, what he die of? He died of the uh, of cancer or leukemia or something. Uh, I forget exactly I what, it what it was, but yeah, something. Yeah, it was some sort of cancer or something. A pancreatic, 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 cancer. Yeah, pancreatic cancer. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, you know, so the mother kind of bucks the trend there. So he's hoping he's got his mother's genes. Yeah. Rod is because all, all you care about, you know, when Rod, when Rod died in 2021, I forget it was just just a year ago uh, that he died. Uh, he 78, 78 for Rod. So older than I thought, a little older than I thought. I thought he was in his 60s. Oh, and then his oh, shit. Yeah, he had a man. He had a rough go. 
Um, I forgot that his um, sister died too. Oh, remember there's that weird. There's the Vicky or whatever her name was. She died in 2022. I forgot about that. I didn't know he had a sister, I, and I don't know how close their relationship was. But that was a she was 102 when she died. So oh. No, sorry. No, that was his, that's 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 his mom. That's the mother. That's the mom. That's the mom. Okay. That's the mom. I was gonna say I don't sorry. remember a sister. No, you're right. You're right. Sorry. That's his mom. Right. Yeah. Hundred two. Yeah. Would you say hundred eighteen? She wasn't quite hundred eighteen. Yeah. Hundred two is not bad. That's not bad. That's a long run. That's a good that's run. A long yeah. run. Yeah. Sorry. He he only has Rod. Is, is the only other sibling I think. Yeah. All right, so we have plenty more to get to. Before we do that, though, I do want to let you know that this episode of the Flagship Podcast is sponsored by HelloFresh. And with HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. You can skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. And that is why they are America's number one meal kit you subscribe to hellofresh and check save money off of your fall to-do list hellofresh is 25 percent cheaper than takeout and less expensive than grocery shopping too and with hellofresh ingredients travel from the farm to your doorstep in less than seven days so you know that they're fresh plus the pre-portioned ingredients make cooking a snap and cut down on food waste as well. Uh, HelloFresh is now offering vegan recipes on the menu every single week as well, made without animal products of any kind, like dairy meat, eggs, or honey. Uh, Enjoy meals like sweet chili tofu bowls and spicy coconut curry stir fry. And HelloFresh works with your ever-changing schedule. Plans are flexible, and you can choose your meals for the week, update your preferences, or change your delivery day all in the Hello fresh app and changing seasons mean changing tastes as well and with 30 plus weekly recipes to choose from hellofresh has something for everybody you can easily customize your meal by swapping out proteins or side upgrading uh, to uh, choice proteins or as we said adding protein to a uh, a veggie meal or just going full vegan meal if you would like as well so here's the thing here here's what you got to know you go to hellofresh.com slash vow65 again it's hellofresh.com slash vow65 and use our promo code vow65 to get 65 percent off plus free shipping again it's hellofresh.com slash vow65 and use that promo code vow65 for 65 percent off plus free shipping hellofresh america's number one meal kit Appreciate them for sponsoring the show. All right. Uh, Hangman Page. We now have an update on his injury. Uh, we talked about it a little bit during Instant Reaction Live uh, for AEW Dynamite. We were getting reports and, and news, you know, while the show was going on. We also, you know, at the beginning of the show kind of asked and wondered, hey, is this possibly a work? Is this possibly a shoot? Because at that time, we had no idea. It was immediately following the show. It was like, dude, who the hell knows? It's wrestling. Uh, AEW did officially release a statement, though, that said Hangman Adam Page was taken uh, tonight by medical personnel to a Cincinnati trauma center and diagnosed with a concussion. He was discharged, but will remain in AEW's concussion protocol. Uh, AEW and Hangman Page are grateful for the exemplary response and care of the staff and local medical personnel and are appreciative of the love and support of the fans uh, everywhere. Page then followed up with some tweets as well. Uh, So at least right now, all seems well. Uh, No timetable, obviously, on when he's coming back. But it does appear that he has avoided a major injury. So, uh, any any thoughts about the updates on, on Hangman's uh, injury and, and um, the the concussion that he suffered uh, on Tuesday? No. Yeah, there's nothing more. So that that's that's good. I, I guess the best news there is is that yeah, it doesn't appear to be any major thing, and, and we'll see what ends up happening. You know, 
if he's able sounds to... like he's fine yeah, so, um, yeah you know you concussions know. are weird and you never know but uh, yeah. This one seems to have gone pretty well, and it seems like everything. Everybody seems to think. Yeah, he's tweeting. Okay, he's, so. tweet, he's he's tweeting out jokes and yeah, yeah, yeah. So and people like... say that he was fine that night. And, right, right. But I I I don't want to talk about it though because people get real weird about this shit. Yeah, so. of course, of course. Yeah. So I, just to just me, wanted to it's just best to move on. Yeah, I agree. Just wanted to update everybody on on what you know the latest that's out there. But uh, speaking of AEW, we're we're in AEW land, so we'll, let's we'll stay there. Uh, per Dave Meltzer on the Wrestling Observer Radio. Uh, episode this week, AEW has released producer Ace Steel. This happened on Tuesday, October 18th. Uh, Ace Steel was let go. Obviously, he, you know, from all reports, was a major part in the the brawl out fight. And, uh, you know, whether he bit people, whether he was throwing chairs, whatever he was doing there, uh, he appeared from every single source to be a part of the issue, uh, a part of the fight. And he has been released um, and this really, Joe, this is kind of the first domino to fall from this brawl out thing. And we mentioned on our Instant Reaction Live that Punk was seen in the ROH video. Uh, the elite were mentioned by name during the show. So we were saying, okay, something's kind of, you know, things are kind of moving and shaking a little bit here. And then the next domino to fall, uh, is a steal being released. So it looks like we're, you could, the end, we could see the light at the end of the tunnel, whatever that light may be, who the hell knows, but it does feel like we likened it to like, we're thawing a little bit. We, you know, we, we were in a deep freeze here where nobody knew anything. Nobody was everybody. You couldn't mention any name. You couldn't do anything like this. It does feel like we're thawing a little bit. A steel, uh, officially gone, uh, punk on the ROH video, the elite mentioned my name. It does feel like we are getting closer to whatever the resolution of this thing is going to be for the people, the, 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 the parts and the, the, you know, the people that matter most to the story is, you know, obviously punk and, and, and omega and, and the bucks and whatever's going to happen with those guys it does feel like we should know that relatively soon hopefully yeah we talked about it the other night when we reviewed the show you know with the with the mention of the elites on commentary and punk being in the video packages i think these were deliberate small um references and now that some that, that they're you know that we've a bunch of the people were taken off of suspension weeks ago, the Brandon Cutlers, the Christopher Daniels of the world, all the people in the room who were legitimately just, you know, uh, what's the best way to phrase it? Innocent victims of yeah, the bystanders, of the, by, yeah. victims of the situation or whatever. Didn't not the aggressors in any way, like people that right. may have gotten involved in it for one reason or another, but not a part aspect of it. Right. But, not the reason the fight started. Brandon Cutler was not the reason this thing started. Right. So all those people were taken off suspension a long time ago. We got our first termination, and we've got mentions of the other people on television. So, like you're saying, there seems to be like the resol- whatever the resolution is, whether that means they're all coming back, none of them are coming back, or some of them are coming back. We're getting there. And now, what I think is interesting is, at this point, the decisions may be made, but that doesn't mean that AEW necessarily has to announce anything. Because if you're going to bring back the Bucks or Kenny Omega or even CM Punk out there in a sling, um, why make any sort of announcement? You know, until you can strategically bring them back. Especially if you know they were. I think they were suspended with pay anyway. So presumably you're paying them during this whole period, and you'd still be paying them anyway, even if you know. Because let's say Omega is no longer suspended. Okay. Fundamentally, nothing changes because you were paying him before and you're still paying him now. So why announce that he's no longer suspended, which then 
starts up all this speculation when you can strategically bring him oh, back. Yeah. They're, they're, yeah. In, they're in the perfect spot right now. If, if they've internally cooled everything off and ever, whatever, whatever that might be, if it's, Hey, you know what punk, we don't need you anymore ever again, you know, whatever, but like box and Omega. Okay. We're, we want it, no matter what the resolution is, no matter what that was, there's no point in announcing it now because now you start to, okay, when are they coming? Well, and that, and then you set people up for disappointment. You set people up for, for weird expectations when they're coming. You're in the perfect spot right now. If you've cooled this off and at least some of the parties involved are, are, are due back or things are, are, have been kind of resolved. Now you can, I mean, when those guys come back, it's going to be the biggest fucking deal on that show yeah. or whatever. Some people might say, oh, well, wouldn't you want to announce it and, and, get, and pop a rating or whatever? Well, you a- could, yeah. You could, but I think AEW has been pretty cool about not doing that on, on shows and trying to make surprises legit and, and trying to make you... They might allude to something. You know, Tony might say, we got some big things in store or whatever, you know, for this right. week's on, on Dynamite. And some people then can kind of take that whatever direction they go and assume it's going to be this guy or that guy or whatever. But I think they've done a pretty good job. I mean, Punk, you know, being the, the best example of that. I think there's ways to kind of throw in little things here and there, but not necessarily make it obvious that this guy's coming at this day and, you know, and not, and you could do that. You could obviously do that, but I I, I think it'd be a lot cooler. And I, and I appreciate that our AEW has done that so far is keep these surprises a little bit under wraps to, to, you know, keep you on your toes a little bit too, but also make it that big monumental moment when those guys do eventually come back or that music hits again or whatever. Yeah, I think now what you do is whoever is going to stick around, I mean, you strategically plot how you're going to bring them back and you turn this pile of shit into lemonade and create some, uh, you know, some good storylines out of it and, and some intriguing directions out of the returns. So that would be the stage that we're at now, now that, you know, possibly the decisions have been made on these people or we still have all of these pending litigations and lawsuits and whatnot and we're not anywhere near any kind of resolution yeah, yeah. and you know? and for all the intents like like you said the, the the parties that got taken off a of suspension raw guys that most likely didn't you know we're not aggressors in this situation just kind of happened to be there or whatever those guys were like and a steel probably the least important of the other names that were were left in there it's in terms of like people that were aggressive or people that were a part of the fight that we've heard you know everybody else is way more important so a steel is probably the easiest one to just say you know what get out of here you know who cares you got to go uh, punk doesn't like it too damn bad you know ace you got to go you know that, that we we don't have a long term contract with you. We don't have a very you know big deal, you know big long you know expensive contract with you. You're a lot easier to get rid of, and like you said, those so all the easy people to kind of resolve have been resolved. Our investigation has revealed that we have cause to terminate you. You know, right. and once right. and he's the easiest and, one to just like, yeah, and and yeah, and if he's out there biting people and. <laughs> You know, being a, you know an instigator in the fight, and 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 look, they gave this. What has it been? How many weeks has it been? Has I it been six, six or seven? I think it's six or seven know. now. Yeah. You know, and they did this full investigation. And if they're protecting themselves legally by you know using the results of this independent, is it an independent investigation or is it a <laughs> guess as good as mine, man? I don't know. Yeah, you know, and now that you know they have cause to get rid of this guy, and and they have, and maybe. Um, you know, and, 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 and who knows? We don't know the details. Um, you know, they could have they could have cut a deal with them before they, they got rid of them. I mean, I, I don't I don't know anything. All we know that he's gone. So um, it just seems like these are all baby steps towards towards finally and look, you know, I know people disagree with me, but I, I said it a couple weeks ago. I don't really miss any of these people. I, I enjoy the show every week. Um, I, I you know, I would love all of them to be back. That's not what I'm saying. Don't get me wrong. Do I want 
Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks and CM Punk to be on Dynamite? Yes, because it'll be an objectively better show with all four of those people. Do I need them back? Do I feel like the show is lacking those people? I really don't. That's yeah, how it's, I – It's not been a bleak show. I, I, there's a lot of people that have been doom and gloom about the show You know, with those guys not on there. And, you know, A, Kenny Omega was gone for, you know, a year anyway. And, and you know, I, I love, again, Kenny Omega's one of my favorite wrestlers ever, but like they didn't miss a beat with him gone. Like they were, they were just fine without him. And, and, and that speaks to AEW's, you know, talent and, and, and the booking and all that sort of stuff that you didn't really miss Kenny Omega. Is it great having him back? Of course. Of course I want Kenny Omega back on television. Uh, the Bucks, I mean, that, that was, it did feel like that was going to be a pretty big void. But now, six, seven weeks later, it's like, yeah, I, don't I really know. don't think it is. It's I really not. Yeah. I, and I was surprised. I kind of thought, because you had that thought like immediately. You said, if these guys are gone, then whatever. Like, it, it'll be fine. It, it, and I was initially yeah. like, I don't know. The Bucks are just such an important part of this show and, and the and the company, all that sort of stuff. But yeah, I mean, I'd love them on the show because they're, <laughs> they're the greatest tag team of all time. So, of course, I would love them. But no, do I think the show has been a drain without them there? No. And, and, and Punk, if that was. How the punk story ends, I think that's fine. We got you know a year out of him, and it was a lot. It was really cool, and it was really fun. And and of course, yeah, if he comes back, it, it'll be fantastic, and you can restart the MJF stuff and all that. But yeah, I don't. I I think he honestly is the guy I miss the least out of the show, just because you know if that was his story, like I I don't know, it's fine. Like I think the the roster is 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 more than enough that you don't necessarily need him uh, there. The Bucks do feel like a little bit more just because how synonymous they are with that brand and with that company. And Kenny Omega is like you know. Personally, I, I would you know, love to see him, but you know we just lived with him not being there for a year, and it was fine. Like everybody got on just just okay. So yeah, I, I'm with you. I was kind of surprised at how much I don't you know miss them in, in a way, but also yeah, like you're saying, I, I think you and I both agree that we would love for them to be on the show. But yeah, does it now feel like a cold, dead, you know, dying show without those guys? Not really. No, I think they've been not fine. even close. Yeah. The show, I, I think the shows have been good since All Out. Really good for most most. Of, there are a couple weeks there that weren't great. But I think every week the show is like really fucking good. And when I watch the show, I don't feel like there's this giant void of people missing. I just feel like it's a good show every week, you know. And that, and again, that's not to say I don't want every one of them back. I would love to have all of them back on that show. Um, if I had to put them in order, I miss the Bucks the least, then Omega, and I miss Punk the most. Interesting. Okay, so we're almost the inverse then. In that, yeah, I, I miss, but. You know, it's like the and the Bucks. I would say Omega and Punk are closer on my ranking. The Bucks, I honestly don't miss at all. I gotta be honest. I if the Bucks never come back, I think I'd be okay with that. But if they do come back, that'd be great too. I really don't miss the Bucks. I don't know. I, I Punk to me, there's just something still super special about him when he's on TV, and there's just a different energy and. There's just a different feel when Punk is around. And I think everything that he's involved with just feels bigger than everything else on the show. And the only other person in AEW who can come close to matching that is MJF. So that's why I say Punk. Because Punk to me when he's on the screen is, okay, kids get out of the room. I need to pay attention. This is this is worth my time. Every time. So there, that... But again, if he never comes back, I don't think like again, I don't feel like the show has this giant void of anything. I'm enjoying the show every week. But if I had to rank them out, that's the order I would put them in for my personal, you know, just, you know, I, that's not based on business. That's not based on, you know, that's just my personal likes and dislikes and how I feel about 
these now that we we haven't had these guys on the show for a while. I don't know. That's the order I would put them in. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Uh, so, yeah, we'll see. Uh, obviously, still <laughs> we, we still don't have any sort of insight or transparency. Uh, into what's going on with this, but uh, yeah, it does feel like we're, we're we're moving in that direction at least uh, for whatever the next step of this is going to be, which is hopefully you know at least some of the guys coming back and returning. So that is AW, and uh, that is uh, it for uh, America for now. Let's get to uh, you want to do this Triple Mania? You want to go to Mexico, Joe? Yeah, let's do Triple Mania. Let's go to sure. Mexico City here. Triple Mania, the final Triple Mania of the year. Uh, the the realest of all the fake Triple Manias. Uh, happened obviously this weekend, October fifteenth. Uh, available on Fight Voicewrestling.com/slash/fight uh, in both Spanish and English uh, as well. The English uh, announced team was uh, Larry Dallas and Joe Dombrowski. I thought they did a pretty good job, all things considered. The production of it is kind of you know. I, I, did you watch the English or did you watch the Spanish feed? I watched the uh, Spanish feed. Okay, yeah. The, the produ- so what they do for the English feed, and I feel bad because the content of what Joe and, and, and Larry are doing is very good, and they're, they're very well researched. And and Larry brings a ton of passion, and Joe brings a ton of passion as well. The problem though is the way that they do this is they basically just pipe in the Spanish feed and then like lower the volume to twenty five, and then have these guys talk over it. So you're not hearing the crowd. You kind of hear the Spanish feed in the background as well. It's very low rent, uh, and these guys deserve a little bit better. So figure it out, guys. Come on, pipe in, pipe in an audio if it's fight or if it's AAA. I don't know who's you know really you know leading the chart or leading production or whatever. But man, just give these guys their dedicated feed so we can hear the crowd, especially in a triple mania, especially in a mass versus mass match like we had in the main event there, like Vikingo and, and, and Phoenix. You can't hear the crowd at all, and you just only hear these guys doing announcing, and it stinks because. They're, you know, they're pat. They they sound like they're screaming for no reason when they're screaming because you know there's a hot crowd behind them doing stuff. So yeah, it's just production value needs a little bit of work uh, 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 for the English feed. But I, I thought Joe and Larry did a very good job. Uh, I just watched the final three matches of the night, but I know I thought they, you know, thumbs up for w- the content of what they said, but you know, obviously a thumbs down for the production, which I'm sure Dale's guys have no part in whatsoever. So yeah, um, obviously I can't comment on that. Um, I didn't watch that feed. But um, as far as the show itself, you watched what the top three? Uh, I watched, yeah, uh, starting with the hair versus hair and the whole way down. So I, yeah, I did not see All anything right. else on the show. So I jumped in with the first. I jumped in with the four-way tag team match. Okay. And then I watched the three-way trios match, and I don't have any exciting thoughts about either of those i i, I kind of talked about it in the preview i'm over these these kinds of matches it's just it's very similar to 
it's similar but not the same at all as the NXT War Games matches and what I just talked about. It's a sensory overload. It's bodies flying all over the place. It's almost impossible for anyone to stand out. And I just, you know, I, I can't get into these kinds of matches anymore. Um, especially because you know, AAA does these matches to death. I just, so Rich, I have no thoughts. I I'm, I know that's terrible audio. I have nothing to say about those those two matches that had 9,000 people in them and bodies flying everywhere. And they made no impression on me positively Especially or in this company, too. Like, matches that's like what that, I mean. like, I, yeah. my eyes glaze over in all those matches and all those companies now. But especially in this company, my eyes will, will glaze. Yeah. That's why I just thought, you know what? And I, I probably had time to watch these, but I was like, I don't, I don't really need to. I, I read reviews, and nothing seemed that exciting from the people that I that, that I read. And, and we had a review up at VoiceOfWrestling.com from from Griffin, which really, really good review. So definitely check that out. But uh, even in his review, it was just like, yeah, there's not much that really sounds like I need to go out of my way to check out. You know, I, I'd much rather see these people broken off into, you know, just give me a two on two tag match, give me a trios match. But that's not AAA style. We all know that. So. Uh, Taya Valkyrie and Camille uh, had their match, and it was, uh, well, it was a lot of plunder. It was a lot of, Rich, it sucked, is what <laughs> it I'm trying to say. Like it sucked, yes. Um, it <laughs> I'm not shocked by that revelation, but uh, yeah. It wasn't good. Um, good for Camille getting the booking and all that. Um, you know, it was a triple-A match. That's what it was. You know, a lot of plunder, a lot of dragging each other around and doing stupid shit. And um, it just wasn't very good. So, uh, again, a great review from JL um, with the Taya Valkyrie Camille match. But I don't I don't have a lot to add. I just I didn't enjoy it. And I, I didn't think it was very good. So then we get into the meat of the show, the business end where Rich can jump in. The hair versus hair match, which, you know, I said this was either going to be fucking great. Or just a total awful train wreck. And to me, it was the latter. Um, especially the finish. I was where... going to say. So here's where here's where I come in. I agree with you in the, ultimately. But there was a point while this match was going on. Maybe 10 minutes in where I'm like, you know what? I'm actually enjoying this. These guys are just beating the fuck out of each other. It's a little sloppy. But it's fucking Pagano and Cibernetico. Like, of course it's going to be a little sloppy and a little weird. But then I was like, I don't know. I'm kind of into this. And then the last 15 minutes of the match happened, including the last forever. And they just kept going on and guys kept coming out. Yeah. The shit with Conan. And then it was just, it became triple A. I was like, you know what? This isn't bad. And then it was like, oh, it's Conan with a tire iron or whatever the hell, some weapon he had. He can't move. So he's just like slowly hitting people. And then Vampiro's out and this guy's out. And then Vampiro's counting the fall and he's now the referee. And I'm like, oh my God, what has happened here? And then it just wouldn't end. It would not end at that point. I was like, go home. We've had enough. Uh, we did not need Pagano and Cibernetico to go 21 minutes and 43 well, and then seconds. They, then, they, then they fall in a hole and we don't know who won. And- <laughs> right, right, right. It just became AAA. It, it, they... The mat, and that's what I'm saying. Did you agree with me that at one point this match was like kind of okay, or did you think it sucked from the beginning? No, I mean it started off all right. It started off exactly how I thought it would be—just a bloody brawl, yeah, and- which was great. And then it became AAA, and then I was like, "All right, I'm watching AAA." So of course, it's going to be a fucking disaster. Vampire was going to be out. Conan's going to be out. Weird things are going to happen, and we won't ultimately know who even won the match. So, yeah. Great. So, at the end of the day, I hated it, and um, Pagano wins, and then. Oh, I was livid after this. So Pagano won, but they, they Cibernetico, they 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 took him out on a stretcher. Yeah, and, and I'm I thought like, this fucking, 
I thought this fucker was going to go to the back and never get his head shaved. And they were going to tell right. you, oh, go, uh, you know, come next week and we'll shave his head or whatever. I was like, these fuckers, they got to do it. But they did, luckily, uh, I hope the live crowd got to see this because they did backstage. Pagano went back there and said, no, 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 no. You got to shave your head. Uh, yeah. So they shaved his head backstage. But that's not the, you got to shave it in the ring, right? Yeah, it's all horseshit. You, you, first of all, we need to be able to see who wins the match. That's, can we start there? <laughs> that's a good way to start, then, yes. And number two, you get a hair versus hair match. The man has to be in the ring getting his head shaved. I mean, you, you can't do this on a fucking video board. It's just a mess. Just a total mess. It's <laughs> just triple A. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's matches like you know? this that remind me, all right, this is why I never watched triple A. So. Um, so Vikingo versus Ray Phoenix. You know, Vikingo just constantly invents shit that you've never seen before in your life and you have to like go on Twitter and watch the gifts to even comprehend what he just did a lot of the time. Like a lot of the time he'll do something and you're like, did my eyes just see what they thought? Did he go off the middle rope and then go do this? And then you, you're like, yeah, that's what he did. Like he just invents things. Yeah, I there, don't there even was, know. There was one during this where he, uh, Phoenix was on the outside and he springboarded from the ring to the second rope on the outside and then did like a reverse senton. And I was like, what? Like, how do you even do that? And I had to watch it like seven times to figure out what the fuck he just did or why he did it or whatever. And that, yeah. It, and he hit it perfectly. Of course, like no problem at all. Didn't hit his head. Didn't, you know, looked great. Perfect. Yeah. It, he, he is, is something special. Yeah. And, um, you know, this was a spectacle, you know, am I going to sit here and tell you that they told the greatest pro wrestling story in this one? They did not. But if you just want to see, Truly state-of-the-art, creative, flying, and just utter fucking madness from arguably the two best aerial wrestlers in the world. And you're just going to turn your brain off and enjoy the flips and enjoy the things that nobody else in the world can do that they're doing to each other. Then, you know, this is great, you know, but... um you know, I, I I will say though I probably didn't enjoy this as much as everybody else did. No, you know, I, I, okay, that was my hot take. Is well, I, I'm sorry, I stepped all. No, over you're you fine. No, ahead. you're fine. Because I kind of was like, man, I I wonder if Joe's gonna love this thing. And I was watching it, and I was thinking, yeah, Joe's probably gonna agree with me on this, but we'll see what ends up happening when the audio comes. But yeah, I was just kind of like, I've seen a lot of people say it's like their match of the year, or whatever, and that's fine. Like you know, again, like, that's your match of the year. That's your match of the year. And I understand where they're coming from. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it was, a, like you said, a spectacle is the best way spectacle. to put it. It was insane. Yeah. It was like from the moment the, the bell rang, these guys just decided, let's do crazy shit that only Ray Phoenix and, and, and Vikingo could do. And they did that. And then 20 minutes of them doing shit that only these guys can do. But ultimately, like, I don't know. It was over. And I was just kind of like, yeah, I don't know. Like, Did it leave you a little empty? It did leave me empty. And I don't know if that's just me, yeah. like, as a wrestling fan these days where I'm just like, no, what's, you know, I need a little bit more, you know, I need a little more juice. I need a little bit more story. I need, but like, I don't know. Like, there's probably another generation of me. There's a me 10 years ago that sees this match and says, yeah, it's my match of the year. It's one of the greatest matches. But, I don't know. I watched it and I was if, just kind of well, okay, like... Okay, if, if you see this match 10 years ago, it's the greatest match you've ever seen in your life. Right, of course. I mean, because, the, the, you know, and that's the thing. But we've seen so much now that it's almost like matches like this leave me a little empty while at the same time I can totally appreciate what, what I just saw. It's weird. It's hard to explain and it's weird. But, um, I, yeah, I mean, I'm not trying to trash the match. You know, I'm just saying, you know, I saw a lot of people throwing fives at this and, you know, that I don't know 
if this kind of match is ever going to make me feel like that at this stage of my fandom, I guess is the way I'm becoming like a fucking PWO. I know this is, I'm like, I, I want some I, good punches and a good story. <laughs> like, Oh no. Yeah. That, like that's know, what, that was going on in that match. Is I was like, Oh, this isn't really working for me. Like I, for that, with that being said, I thought it was good. Like it's good as hell. Yeah. It's just not no, like a, fine, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a very, very good match. It's just not like I, I sat down and said like, all right, here we go. This is going to be like, you know, one of the greatest matches I've ever seen. This is going to be a clear. It's going to destroy my top ten. I'm, I'm definitely putting this. And then it, it just ended, and I was like, eh, yeah, that was cool. That was good. I'm glad I watched it. And That'd then it, a little it, empty, little empty. Yeah, and and that like as that was going on, I was just like, oh no, I've become my worst enemy. <laughs> like these are the people I was arguing with. But like I don't know. It's just yeah. I like I said, maybe it's me maturing as a fan, or seeing different things, or liking different things, or whatever. Maturing is maybe not the right word, but just changing what I like. You know, d- different things. I don't know. I've seen a lot of I've seen a lot of matches that have this sort of style to them, but have a little bit more, you know, more a weight more to them. Meat on the bones yeah, yeah, yeah. Where this is just you know, this is a spectacle. But I don't know. Yeah, like it, it, was it was it inherently all that much different than like Ricochet and Will Ospreay from the best of the Super Juniors? You, you know what I mean? Like probably not. Like it had stuff that those guys can't do and didn't do, but like, it's still right. the same idea as like the evolution two, of that. Right. Two guys it. go out there and do a bunch of crazy shit that only they can do. And, and that's cool. But like, yeah, I, I guess I just needed a little bit more out of it than, than I got. And ultimately when it was done, I was like, yeah, it was good. I'm glad I watched it. But yeah, it did not reach anywhere near like five stars or match the year level at all for me. But, but I have seen that from no, people no, that no. I do trust. Yeah. This won't come anywhere close to my top 10 or anything like that. Um, but I wasn't like, waiting for the match to end i wasn't like oh i hate this let's move on i enjoyed it but um you know it was the best way i can put it is it was an interesting spectacle is what it was so um that's the main event the mask match it brings us to our main event so Pentagon Jr. Here's how I knew I was a PWO guy. I think I liked the main event better than I liked my well, Phoenix. I liked it. I don't know why. I, I, I guess I've become like a... The floor is yours. The tear the mask off Lucha guy. I don't know. There was just... It, was it spectacular or great? No, but it had a little bit more. I don't know. It just had that meat on the bone like we were talking about. The weight to it felt a little bit more. And it, it, I, I, Listen, I, I'm not cutting you off, but what I will tell you is you are not alone. A lot of people did have this as their match of the night as well. Okay. So, yeah, I don't know why. Just, yeah, like I just don't, I don't – I never would I have ever thought that I would think that, but I kind of liked it. I thought it was pretty good. I thought the the, the story of you know Pentagon – you know, being the young guy and Viano being kind of the aggressor and the, the, you know, the aggressive veteran or whatever. And yeah, by, you know, just by, you had to have Pentagon take most of the match because Viano can't really take big bumps and take big. So you had Viano basically just hit this guy with shit until he was bleeding and, and rip his mask and cut him open anymore and throw him into a table and hit him with this. Like, I didn't think I was going to like all that stuff. And then I kind of did. And then the drama towards the end was, was really, really good um, with, with, you know, Pentagon trying to break Viano's arm, you know, doing the arm break thing, doing it twice, but Viano still not giving up and still not tapping out and and still not being able to get pinned. You did have Triple A, so you had the weird thing where Pentagon taps out and then the referee goes, "No, that tap didn't count as a tap or whatever." Which hated it. That was I was just like, "What are you doing?" Just hey, Pentagon, it's Viano four. Like it's okay. Like hated it. You have to protect Viano. <laughs> Piano four, he's gonna get his, he's gonna lose his mask, and the man's like sixty seven years old. It's okay, you don't have to protect him with this false finish. I hated that. Oh, it's just, oh, it's, that's the part that really drove because I thought they were telling a great story up until that point, and then from that point forward, luckily it was only like two more minutes left in it, and then it really didn't matter that much more uh, because you yeah, had the fake, you know, tap out. The fans are livid or whatever, and then Pentagon just gets in there and and 
and, and does you know break the arm quote unquote of of Viano and then pins him and then it's finally over and Viano loses and, and loses his mask and they I mean mask versus mask matches are just incredible anyway just the atmosphere and and, and the yeah. emotion afterwards and and you have to count that you have to count that we always say that in mask versus mask matches you absolutely have to count the post match in part of your match rating and 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 this one in particular with so much legacy with the Viano name you know him taking that mask off and 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 you know revealing his, his his true identity which you know wasn't that much of a secret given that his family you know legacy or whatever but still it was it was still an important moment and and, and really cool uh to see so I, I liked it I'm probably like I'm probably four on the Vikingo Ray Phoenix and probably like four and a quarter on this so it's not like I really really love this one way more than the other match but I don't know it just it worked for me a little bit more than 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 the Vikingo and Phoenix match which I never in a million years thought would happen well I mean you did give it four stars that's an incredible rating yeah, yeah. Uh, this match is going to make noise in our match of the year poll. I just, I can feel it. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the tone coming out of it. People were really jacked up about it. Um, now I hate to be the buzzkill again, but this just did not do for me what it did for everybody else. Um, I, I, again, I didn't dislike it. Uh, let me be clear. I didn't dislike it. There were things about it I didn't like at all, and they were all AAA-ish things. I just, right now, I just prefer CMLL when it comes to my lucha triple a just has this element of filth and trash around it that i don't like it's just the general energy of the promotion just does not mesh with what i want out of my wrestling right now and uh, that bled into this match a little bit no pun intended bled uh you know they worked really hard and give viano for a lot of credit and give pentagon a lot of credit for really carrying this thing with such an old wrestler uh that he was in there with and i'm not saying that it wasn't um you know, I'm not saying that it was – I mean, it's so hard to review stuff like this because I really struggle with these super old wrestlers who the younger guys are clearly slowing down so that the older guy can keep up. Right, and that right, really right. – it, it fucks with my suspension of disbelief. It just does. And, um, you know, it, it it just didn't hit for me like it did for everyone else. I mean, I, would, I wouldn't come anywhere close to putting this in my notebook. You know, I, this isn't a, a, a four-star match to me um, because it just, you know, I, I hated the sequence that you talked about and I thought it was a little too long and, um, you know, but at the same time, it you know, it, it I, I did enjoy it on some level. It just didn't land for me like it, like, you know, the aftermath of this was everybody just going ape shit and again, throwing five stars at it in some cases and, you know, match of the year. And I get where people are coming from. Um but I don't know. I just think I'm over watching 65-year-old guys struggle to wrestle. I yeah. just think I'm done with it. And I and I understand that the way that this one was worked and laid out, that it kind of you know worked around that. And I and I understand why there's appeal to watching a legend give it that one last go. But I'd I'd rather it's it's for me. I would have rather have seen Viano Four in there with a with one of his contemporaries having this match. It's hard for me to watch a guy at his physical prime, at the peak of his stardom, work down to this old guy. Right, especially Pentagon, who you've seen just have incredible matches and incredible, you know, the rate at which he 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 wrestles. You know, when he's in there with Phoenix and when he's in there with the box and when he's in there with other guys that, that you've seen is 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 night and day between this match where he had to be kind of at a snail's pace to sort of you know let Viano keep up. I, and I, I I totally get that. I, I do. Yeah, and that 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 is something that definitely. Usually is a hang up with me. I just don't know for this one in particular. I don't. It just kind of worked for me uh, a little bit more than they usually do. And I don't know if that's you know Viano, you know them, you know going really early into Viano, basically just hitting the guy with shit 
to try to knock him down right away. And that being the idea that, okay, I can't hang with Pentagon one-on-one, but I can, if I knock him down and get blood in his eye or whatever, then I can have a little bit of a yeah, fighting chance yeah. or whatever. So I, no, I think I, they, I, they structured I, I it as well that. as they could. Uh, they Viano is only 57, but I said 67 earlier, <laughs> only 57. Yeah. So um, he looked about 70. He did look about 70 when he unmasked. So uh, that's where um, I got the mistake there. Only 57, but no, I think they structured it in a way that didn't bother me that much, but I'm with you. I think I would have probably preferred Viano versus, you know, somebody else but but i don't know i, I the, the young versus old story in this case kind of worked for me i think they did a good job of structuring it listen you're you're with the consensus i'm the one that's out to lunch here and i know people are going to be shit talking me and subtweeting me all week and everything about it. but i i have to be honest in my you know when i break these things down i didn't i didn't love it i don't know i thought it was okay but um you know and and and, and it's not like i'm mystified that everybody else loved it i totally fucking get it like it, while I'm watching the match, I'm thinking people are gonna love this match. You know what I mean? And and I'm sitting there thinking, but this is not really working for me. And um, you know, so I don't know. I'm you know that's uh, I get it, but um, not a match I'll ever really think about again. There were some good visuals, you know. The end. The, the, there's now an iconic picture of Pentagon holding up the mask, and he's covered in blood, and um. That's cool visual and everything like that, but uh, but yeah, I don't know. It was uh, the 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 last two matches really kind of saved the show for sure because this was trending to be a terrible show until the final two matches, which, which couldn't have been more different than one another either. Two drastically different matches, but uh, two matches that um, you know different segments of fans are really going to love, and you know. Um, turn this from being a really terrible show to what I think most people came away from calling a, a really good show. And that's what strong matches at the top of a card can do. You know, we talk about that all the time. You know, if your show finishes strong, that can really cover up a lot of warts underneath. You know, people, you know, people want those, the, the money, the, the business end of a card to really deliver. And that can make up for the other 75% of a show just being shit. And this show was a good example of that. Uh, is this show going to make me start regularly watching uh, AAA? Uh, it will not. <laughs> it will definitely not. I, I I am in for watching a little bit more CML moving forward because I liked what I've seen as uh, from them as of late. But I think my uh, my AAA watching will uh, extend. It will only extend to Triple Mania's uh, uh, moving forward. I, I never come away from a AAA show saying, "Yeah, I need more of this in my life." So. Well, there's no more triple. There's no more triple manias. There's this no year. more triple manias this year. Yeah, so hopefully they go back to the one triple mania. So I only have to watch one of their shows every year. It's just there's so it's triple. It's it's just trash. You know what I mean? It's so it's very trashy. It's just yeah. Yeah. loud. There's weird cuts all the time. The production's kind of bad. Vampiro's there. I don't really want to see Vampiro. It's it's just... it's, it's game changer with a good roster. Yeah, yeah. It's ga- it's it's That's like guys that I love watch wrestling, but they're in game changer wrestling, so I just don't want to watch it. It's so. it's game changer with a good roster is what Triple A is. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean that's the really the best way <laughs> yeah. to put it. Like you watch a good match and then somehow it just gets fucked up for you know no reason just because they have to make something fucked up. So yeah, it's it's. It is what it is. But there you go. That was uh, Triple Mania. Again, uh, the view- review uh, from Griffin uh, up at uh, voiceofwrestling.com. Uh, and if you want to watch the replay, voiceofwrestling.com slash fight. Uh, so I can do that both in Spanish and uh, English. So uh, let's uh, quickly, 
Uh, and then we'll do uh, the last part of the show. We'll talk about Wrestling 101 and, and the Observer Hall of Fame. Uh, let's quickly talk about Carl Anderson here. Uh, Machine Gunka is double booked, Joe. Uh, WWE booked Carl Anderson on WWE's next Saudi show, which is a very rich uh, booking for him, uh, which just so happens to be the same day as New Japan Battle Autumn. Whoops. So uh, Anderson was set to defend uh, his never open weight title on, uh, against Hikuleo on that night. Uh, is he going to be able to go from Saudi Arabia to Japan? No, he's not doing any of that. So he cut a promo. Anderson and Gallows cut a promo online uh, saying that they would not be there on November 5th. Uh, the quote was uh, this is from Gallows. He says, you guys announced Bright Lights, the machine gun Carl Anderson, for a match on November 5th. Guess what? We're just a little double booked because you didn't run it through me. So he ain't coming. We're not coming unless it's on our time. And then Carl Anderson said in that video, New Japan Pro Wrestling, listen, I love what you've done for the Good Brothers throughout these years. But let me tell you something. I am the greatest never open weight champion of all time. I only work when the lights are bright. And November 5th, we ain't coming. We'll come on our time. The machine gun will tell you when I'm coming to defend my championship. And then this So is- for, for him to cut a promo like that, which is a total work, there's obviously a deal in place for him to go drop the title at another date. Exactly. Right. So, right. And, and, and it, you could, you could tell too, like if people think that this is real and machine gunk is shooting or whatever, like Rocky Romero, like, you know, there was a d- screenshot DM where he's like, just drop the title, Carl. Come on. You know what I mean? Yeah. And Chris Charlton's like talking shit to him and stuff. So it, you know, they're, they're playing it up, which is fine and good, but yeah, it's, it's not like this guy's not holding this the title best hostage. of the situation is yeah. what they're doing. Carl's it's, saying, it's, Hey, I, I'm going to do this show instead of battle autumn, but like, how about I show up on this day, this day, this day, or we do it on this or whatever. It's led to like dumb, wild speculation that all that people for some reason keep doing like, Oh, they're going to do it at WrestleMania. It's like, I don't think Hikuleo's beating Carl Anderson at WrestleMania, but, uh, I personally think it's bad business. I think that, okay, look, they were free agents and available to be signed. I don't blame them for signing a a deal that was advantageous to them. I don't blame WWE for signing them um, because, you know, they were available and, and, you know, that's the risk you take if you're new Japan, if you're going to put a title on somebody who you don't have locked up. So I don't have any sympathy for them for that standpoint. The problem I have with it and why I think it's bad business is from WWE standpoint, uh, you know, they just have no, they have no regard for anybody else. You know, it, it's the guy was already booked, and they used to. What's weird is they used to be good about this. Like even in yes. the Vince era, they used to say, "Hey, you know what? We're going to oh, sign finish you, your finish your bookings, and when you're done." Yeah. I mean, famously, the Summer of Punk. You know, that all became because they said, "You know what? You got two more months. Do it. Do whatever you got to do, and then when you're ready, come." You know, and they would always do that. Paul hasn't really followed that that same edict. Yeah, you know, a lot of t- he's to an extent he's followed it, but there's been other times too where he has just not followed it whatsoever. And as of late, the last three, four, five years, they haven't given a shit what the hell you have to do or or whatever. When they want you, they want you, and they don't have to book him for the Saudi Arabia show. The Good Brothers cannot be on the Saudi Arabia. That's fine. The Kingdom of Saudi Arabia will be okay. You know, what I mean, if if the Good Brothers are not on that show. They just don't give a shit. So they booked him on the show, and then Carl probably said, oh, gay, whoa, guys, I got that. And they said, well, no, you're not doing that. You got to come to the Saudi show. And that's bullshit. That kind of sucks. So I wouldn't work with these guys. I would say, well, he doesn't have the title anymore. Send us back the title whenever you can or whatever. Or just say, keep the title, we'll make a new one. And then cut them out of your lives and and move on. But yeah, I I wouldn't be doing any business with these guys or or negotiating with them on any level whatsoever. Well, it could be a situation where Anderson wanted to work the Japan show, but he has a he's under contract to these guys now, and they're telling him he has to go to the Saudi show. And, you know, again, it's not that I think, look, WWE, they're well within their rights to book this guy whenever and however they want, and Anderson is well within his rights to sign a contract with whoever he wants if he's a free agent. I just don't think it's good business for WWE 
to double book the guy when you know you knew when you signed him that he had these other bookings already in place. And look, look, they don't they don't have to do that. You know, they, they can do whatever they want. But I just think it's bad business, and I don't think um, you know people will get mad. But I don't think Tony Khan would do this. I think you know it's it's you know ultimately. Ultimately, John Moxley worked that match with Nick Gage. Okay, did Khan manipulate a finish where the firm got involved, and 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 did he not allow his world champion to lose clean? Yeah, but ultimately, he worked the match. He was booked for the match. He showed up for the match, and he worked the match. And that's a recent example, right? And it's like, um, you know, if I'm New Japan, and and maybe you know Carl is is apologetic, and maybe that's why. They're going to allow him to come back and do this. I would just wipe my hands of this situation. The title's not important enough. He's not important enough. I would just say, mail me our title back, and we're done. We're done here. I'd wash my hands of him. Um, I'd wish him the best of luck, and then I'd stick Hikaleo in there with whoever the fuck in a decision match and uh, and get wherever I was going with this story and put the title on Hikaleo. That, that's what I would do. Okay. Uh, maybe New Japan sees it from the perspective of, well, now this is kind of a story and maybe we can do a little business here because this is getting more attention than it would have gotten normally. I don't know how they're looking at it. But to me, I'd be so put off by all of this and it's not important enough for me to to stress over that I would just say FedEx me the belt right. and you guys go do whatever you want to do. I, I That's how I would. Plus, considering you know the effort or lack thereof that he put into the Tanahashi match. This guy's shit was checked out anyway. Um, I, I, you know what? Yeah, all right. You, you signed that. Con- that's great. You want to be there? Then you're there. But now, now you're done here. Just send me my belt. And it, it's not a big deal to me that he doesn't drop it because it's only the never belt anyway. You know, I don't think it hurts. Yeah, I, I'm with you too. Especially, yeah, it being this belt, I, I feel like there's probably too much effort being put into this that probably doesn't. Just strip him the title and move. I mean, no one's going to care. No one really cares that much. And... and I just don't know if it's that advantageous to do this thing because I, I don't know. It's it just I, I'm trying to see it from New Japan's perspective of, of why they feel that they have to sort of negotiate or work with this in any way. It, it I don't know. It, it's it's bizarre. Yeah, I, I just uh, it's just not great business to me. Uh, you know, it, it, it's because when you sign the guys, you knew they had these bookings. You know, it's it's kind of just it's just a dick move, and they're well within their rights to do it. Like you know, they don't have to care about any of this, but now it's obvious that they don't. You know, and then, but now they can't be surprised when they reach out to New Japan to try to work with them, and they opt to work with AEW instead, like what happened last year, because no one can trust these guys right. because they do shitty things like this. You know, and they don't even attempt to be. Uh, you know, they don't even attempt to be a good part. This is just dirty. It just it feels scuzzy to me. So uh, I don't know. That's my stance on it. Um, you know, maybe there's more beneath the surface that we don't know that that makes more of this makes some sense. But um, I don't know. I just don't think it's important enough to where I'd, I'd work around it. I just tell them to mail the fucking thing back. And hit the bricks, and I'd never honestly, I I would never use Carl Anderson again. Oh no, no, you got to be done now. Right. The, the, you have to tell him, okay, this 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 is it. <laughs> we're, we're done forever. I understand now, yeah. the his, I understand the history. You know, I get that, but um, 
you know, I, 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 again, I, this that would be it for me. You know, I no working working when you have a title and 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 not doing the booking when yeah that that's stuff where you know and and Carl too can can you know he's probably not speaking up to WWE either and saying oh no 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 I can't do the Saudi day he's probably just like yeah whatever dude who cares <laughs> fuck it yeah book me wherever you want who cares he, he clearly doesn't care I, I, uh, about the I don't know title. yeah I don't know maybe he is a pilot but it doesn't matter because you know it, it, he made the decision they made the decision to go and uh, they ran when Daddy Paul called them and that's fine you know that that's okay but. Now, I don't, I won't do business with you anymore. That's all. That's the consequence of this. You know, you made a decision. That's fine. But you put us in a real bad spot, and we got to change our plans now. And, you know, there's got to be consequences to actions. And the consequences are me personally, I would never use those guys again. But maybe that's just me. So that is the Carl Anderson thing. We'll see what ends up happening with that when the title eventually gets uh, moved over or changed uh, or, or whatnot. But, uh, so for the final two topics of the show here, as we have about another uh, about another forty five minutes or so, uh, let's talk about the Wrestling One Hundred and One project. So there's a really new, uh, cool new project that we have going on at VoicesOfWrestling.com. Uh, I think you guys should all be reading it and following it if you are not already. Uh, it's headed up by Robin Reed and Kevin Hare, uh, two writers for our website. Uh, the Wrestling One Hundred and One project. It's one hundred and one wrestling matches that we kind of collectively sort of argued about and discussed, and 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 you know th- those guys ultimately had the final decision on them. But you know, different matches were presented and stuff. And essentially, what it is going to be, and and this is from Robin's intro. Uh, all, all the stuff is available at uh, VoiceWrestling.com or the Wrestling One Hundred and One com as well. We we got an official website just for this project uh, as well. Uh, it says, quote, as wrestling nerds, we built up a base of matches that serve as touchstones for how we understand wrestling and often reference or even use shorthand to discuss other matches. It expi- explicitly isn't a list of matches that we feel are the 101 best wrestling matches in history. That would be another project altogether. Instead, the Wrestling 101 project highlights matches we feel aid the most in engaging with wrestling discussion. This list aims to help people fill in gaps, understand why matches are important, and serve as a jumping off point for further discovery. So, uh, Joe, have you checked out any of the Wrestling 101 stuff yet? So, it's not like a list of the 101 greatest matches of all time in order from 1 to 100. Right, no. And there, there's been that's some people that have been confused by that, thinking, oh, well, that match is one of the best 101 matches of all time. No, that's not the idea at all. It is, these are matches that you probably should, if you're a, a wrestling fan and you love this shit as much as we love this shit, these are the 101 matches that you should probably these have. These are the 101 most essential matches that you right. need Right. You see. should have you should watch these matches at some point in your life to be a complete wrestling fan. They they and the way that they've done it which I think is really really cool uh is they've put them in groups uh, of different matches. So the one that just came out today uh is Unique Spectacles. And in that again, it's not the 101 greatest matches of all time, but they're matches that that for some reason one reason or another and, and there's you're, they're spelled out in the articles as well and there's a a write up about every single match that are, you know, unique spectacles that you probably should watch if you're a professional wrestling fan, like Undertaker versus Mankind, Hell in a Cell. You know, traditionally is that a great great match? No, but it, it it's one that you should probably have seen sometime in your life. Uh Stan Hansen versus Andre the Giant in New Japan for Wrestling. Again, a match that does not fit the traditional mold of a, of a, of a you know, quote unquote great wrestling match, but unique spectacle. There's that right there. It's Stan Hansen and Andre the Giant and you know, Stan Hansen slamming Andre the Giant before it was cool or, or remarkable to do that. Uh Atsushi Onita versus Terry Funk, the the Time Bomb Death Match. I mean, one of the more famous, you know, death matches of all time and and a match that you know, it, it, what's great about this unique spectacles one, and I, what I really love about this particular grouping, 
is that you have a match that number four, Onita and Terry Funk, a match that is not dangerous at all, but is all built on the idea of danger and the emotion and, and the, the tension of what's going to happen when that timer goes off and, and will these men die or whatever. And ultimately, nobody gets that hurt. And it's all about just building up to those moments and building up to those moments. Well, also on this list is match number six, which is the fire road match. <laughs> Mr. Danger, Junkasai versus Nick Cage and, and, and Zandig, where dudes are literally like actually getting in tremendous pain and, and doing just insane shit. So it's just kind of two ends of, of, of the, the deathmatch spectrum there, where you have a deathmatch where guys are legitimately lighting themselves on fire and, and doing just horrific stuff to each other, and then a match where ultimately nothing is happening that's that big of a deal, but it's all about the tension and the time and, and all that sort of stuff. So it's the emotion uh, of that match. And then match number five, uh, Unique Spectacle, is uh, uh, Dan Shokudino and Yoshi, uh, Yoshihoki. Uh, or Yoshi, what, how the hell did you pronounce that? Yoshi... Yoshihiko. Yoshihiko is the doll, right? Yoshihiko. Yeah. I always get that mixed up. Uh, versus the Golden Lovers from, from DDT uh, in 2009. So we got another spectacle where it's like the Golden Lovers, you know, Kenny Omega and, and, and Kota Bushi having like a wrestling match with a, a wrestling dummy. <laughs> you know what I mean? A doll, a, a blow-up doll. Uh, and, and all about, you know, working that. So so that's what it's all about is, is you know, these matches that, that aren't necessarily... Like you said, they're not the 101 greatest matches of all time, but they're 101 matches that we sort of argued and bandied about that these are the essential matches to, if you're a wrestling fan, you should watch these and you will be a, a learned, educated uh, pro wrestling fan. So, so and, and what, what's cool about this as well uh, is in all those matches, there's also a further viewing uh, uh, list as well. So it's like, hey, if, if you've, you know, you've never seen this match or you like this match or whatever, here are other matches that you could check out that are in the same genre as well. So it's really cool. And I've been able to see all the matches that are listed and, and and there's going to be matches that I think people are going to get upset about because they're always going to go back to the idea that this is just a match of the greatest matches of all time. But it's really just about educating you know people. And so to me, it, it, it's very similar to your match of the week uh, project that we have at FlagshipPatreon.com, where where you know every single week you bring up a match that is significant for one reason or another, but is significant and in, in educating you know a wrestling fan that maybe has never seen this before. And and you know I think this this week's match was was really cool, Sergeant Slaughter uh, and Cronuda, which we'll get into um uh, you know our our uh, our Hall of Fame discussion a little bit, but it's really important to to see that, to see the the Noodle and, and, and Sergeant Slaughter story arc uh, and, and leading up to the big matches that those guys are going to have and stuff. So I, I, I like, you know, I, I like this idea that we at, you know, on, on FlagshipPatreon.com and, and, and at VoicesWrestling.com are, are trying like hell to do these kind of big projects to, to, you know, just educate wrestling fans. And there's a lot of people that we take for granted. We always do this. We take for granted that a lot of wrestling fans watch everything and have seen everything. And when they, when they start getting into this, you know, hobby, they just jump dive headfirst and watch everything they could possibly watch. And that's not the case. We, we reference stuff all the time. And people are like, what the hell is that? Who's that? Who's this guy? I don't, I've never heard that guy. And it, it's kind of mind boggling, but now we're, we're giving you a very easy opportunity to, to educate yourself. Uh, a lot of different ways, and that, that's what this wrestling 101 and, and and really your match of the week I, I think does as well. Yeah, it's it's Slaughter and Canoodle versus Steamboat and Youngblood from the uh, Final Conflict show on Greensboro, which is a very famous very match, famous. one of the most famous matches in, in of that era. And um, you know, a, a packed house, overflow crowd, caused traffic jams locally, and it's the blow off match to that great feud. And um, I, I chose that as match of the week because the Observer ballot came out and Steamboat, Ricky Steamboat and Jay Youngblood are on there as a tag team. Um, and we'll talk about that's our next segment. So I'll hold off on that. But the, the Wrestling 101 project, I think that Kevin and Rob did a tremendous, tremendous job. I mean, they put so much effort into this and we were all part of the, the process to some degree. And 
in uh, lobbying for certain matches and and they would kick ideas off of us but this was their baby yeah. i mean they, they it's been put going on for months together. by the way if you think that months those two guys months. got together and just said hey here's matches what do you guys think and we said ah what about this one no this was like all right today we're gonna argue about these seven matches and then people would go ah yeah, yeah, you know what i mean and there so, were a lot of tough decisions that had to be made and i think that the final list is a very good one of course um you know i i would swap out a few but everybody has their own opinions i think they did a tremendous job hitting every style of wrestling and really um again would a lot of these matches make a list of the best 101 matches in wrestling history yes yeah a lot of them would and a lot of them will as the project moves along but that's not the idea or the intent these are the 100 most essential matches to uh, to a wrestling fans, uh, you know, viewing over the course of their lifetime matches, you really should see. And um, for one reason or another, and the groupings that they're doing um, really help explain why these matches were chosen as one of the 101 most essential matches of all time. So I think it, they did a great job. It's a fun project. I like the slow roll aspect of it where we're not giving away the whole list at once. And yeah, there are matches that there, there's matches that I haven't seen among the hundred and one. Yeah. That now I'm gonna make sure that I make an effort to see. I you know I've seen the vast majority of them. Some of them I haven't seen in years, if not decades, and some I haven't seen at all for one reason or another. It just wasn't my style, or I wasn't into those kind of matches at the time, or whatever the case may be, or it just slipped through the cracks. But uh, yeah, a tremendous project, an interesting project. It's it's like nothing anyone has ever really done before on this scale. And I saw the effort that went into it. You know, I gave my two cents when I was asked, and and you know, and so did you, and so did many others. But then we all just stayed out of it, and those two guys did just an outstanding job. I've seen the final list as well, and uh, you, you, whether you agree with the final list or not. I'm telling you that the effort was outstanding and they genuinely tried to do their absolute best. And I think they came away with a, uh, with a tremendous list. Yeah. And, and it goes without saying that pretty much if you could take time, I, I would say, try to watch every single match on this list. I'm going to do the same thing. Cause like you said, there are matches that, that I look at the list and I go, well, yeah, I don't think I've ever seen that match. So uh, there's a lot of stuff that I'm going to check out. We, we obviously are, we're going to try to find as much opportunity to, 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 you know whether they're on daily motion or youtube or whatever and, and a lot of them are, are readily available on different sources and whatnot i mean most of the time we're gonna we're not gonna give you like some scuzzy weird link we'll try to find the most easy link try possible. our best yeah but and one thing i liked that they did too was they didn't intentionally try to shoehorn things in or people in it was kind of like hey we we don't have to have a match from this particular all-time legend if they don't happen to have a match right. that fits the criteria so or, you know, or we, what I found interesting too is like when we first announced that we were doing it, we we did it on our Discord, uh, and a lot of people were like, "Oh, well, you got to have all six, you know, <laughs> Tanahashi matches." And they were like, "No, we don't. Like, that's no. not the point of the project to have. You know, the project doesn't get released, and there's seven of the matches are, are the same two guys back and forth. That's not the point at all." Right. Right. And, and yeah, yeah, that that too. And it, it's just because something is an all time great match might not make it a good fit for this particular project where it's an essential match. Right. Right. Now, a lot of all time great matches are included. I can tell you that. But, um, you know, there, there, there were situations where there were some wrestlers that weren't represented and it was like, oh, well, it, it's just the way it's going to fall. Then, 
You know, it's you know they this person might have a bunch of great matches, but they might not have one 101 most essential matches to your view. So the effort was outstanding. And I, and, and I really do think it's a great project, and I, and I hope a lot of people pay attention to it, and I hope a lot of people watch a lot of matches yeah. that they haven't gotten around to, to watch to watching before, even matches that they didn't know existed. So, um, you know, I know I'm going to watch a lot of matches that I haven't seen ever or in a long time as a result of it. Yeah, it's just about education. It's all about just, you know, and, and, and having fun and, and learning new stuff. History. And, and seeing people and, and embracing wrestling history because there's a lot there. Uh, and it's 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 becoming less and less cool to embrace history uh, <laughs> in a lot of aspects and in, in, in sports and, and especially in wrestling as well. And, and uh, it's unfortunate because there's a lot of guys that are historical guys that are making it that way. Like there's a lot, you know, this whole week has been a bunch of me having to decide why the hell people give a shit about Dutch Mantel uh, and what he has to say or, or whatever. But like it's those guys that are making people say, ah, these old curmudgeons, these idiots, they don't know anything. And it's like that doesn't just because. Some guys from the past are, are are dumb about wrestling doesn't mean that you shouldn't embrace wrestling history and learn uh, wrestling history because it'll make you a better wrestling fan today. Because a lot of stuff that 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 is going on today, a lot of the reasons why things happen, a lot of the the characters, a lot of the promos, a lot of the matches, a lot of the structure of the companies, all that sort of stuff is all obviously rooted in that history. So it, it, it's yeah, it's, you know what? This is a great transition to our next topic. I I can give you a perfect example of that. We just talked about. How the current our match of the week this week is Don Canodal and Sergeant Slaughter defending the NWA tag team titles against Ricky Steamboat and Jay Youngblood at Final Conflict, and Steamboat and Youngblood they win the titles, they win the blow off, and they immediately move into a feud with well not immediately but then the Briscoes turn heel okay and then they move into a feud with the Briscoes, and today I spent basically my whole day watching a history of the Briscoes heel turn. And then a I watched bunch. like an hour of that too. You know, you know how I didn't watch the uh, triple uh, mania undercard. Cause you watched that. I watched that damn video of the Briscoes. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. It's so good. And then, and then I watched a bunch of the Briscoes versus steamboat and young blood matches. And when you watch through the Cronodal slaughter feud with steamboat and young blood and then as it transitions into steamboat and young blood versus the briscoes i'm watching all of this over the last few days and there are just so many tony khan fingerprints and what he does today and the way he books aew in those two feuds and you can see where Tony Khan, and it's the same thing when I watch Mid South a lot of the time. It's the same thing when I watch a lot of stuff, and I'm like, you know, something I saw, something AEW is doing is so similar to this angle from 1982 or 1983, and I, I'm not sure that a lot of fans realize how much influence Tony Khan mm-hmm. draws in his booking from a lot of this stuff. And, yeah, and, and, we, and I hey, think from day one, we call the mid South Tony. So yeah. And, <laughs> and, and it's funny because it's like, and I think in a lot of ways, that's why for a lot of your WWE, hardcore WWE fans or younger fans, I think that's why they either now, some of them are bad faith. I, I leave them out of this, but I think that's why some people don't understand AEW's booking patterns because and maybe that's why people like us do understand the way Tony Khan books and the way that AEW tells their long-term stories, because we uh, we 
enjoy wrestling history. We go back and watch this stuff, and we've been fans for a longer period of time, or we went back and watched the history, and we see those fingerprints all over it. Whereas a lot of people only know one booking style. The booking right, right. And AEW does not follow the beats that WWE follows. Like they, not they even don't. Close. They don't. And, follow, that, and, throws, that, and that it throws a lot of people off because it's yes, not it the the paint by numbers, beat by beat. Like WWE has a, a structure to how most of their feuds go and how most of their matches go and that sort of stuff. And AEW doesn't follow that, and people think that then that's inherently wrong because it's not WWE style. That's not. True. Or they don't get it, or they think it's wrong, or they think it's the wrong way to do it, or they just don't understand it. Or they don't think stories are being told when they really are being told. And I think that is a, a part of the reason. And it goes back to something we brought we brought up last week when we were talking about Helwani. When Helwani said, matter-of-factly, like it was just a given. Like he just thought Khan was going to agree with him when he said, oh, I think we could all agree that the Monday Night Wars were easily the best period in wrestling history. And Tony Khan kicked back. He said, no, actually, I would disagree with that. I would say it's the 80s. And Helwani was, like, taken aback by that. Like, there is a certain segment of fans who just wrestling history begins in 1997. And and anything before that didn't exist, isn't paid attention to, because that's what they're told, you know, and that's where either, you know, when they grew up or it's been, you know, emphasized so hard by WWE and that that's where history starts. And, uh, and, and you know... That's another example of, you know, someone like Tony Khan drawing his influence from the entirety of wrestling history and not just what happened since 1997, since Stone Cold Steve Austin, since the Monday Night War. And um, and I think that might be where someone like Ariel Hawani, who's obviously a wrestling fan, maybe that's why he prefers WWE right now and why he's surprised that anyone would prefer what AEW is doing. Because, like you're saying, he only understands their their method of storytelling, their story beats, their pay-per-view cycle to pay-per-view cycle style of storytelling, their subtlety hammer style of storytelling, their you know over-the-top ways of telling story, and and because they they just weren't exposed to other ways because for 20 years there was only one game in town. So, um, I guess what I'm trying to say with my long diatribe here is projects like the Wrestling 101. And now that the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame ballots are out and we're going to do all that Hall of Fame content behind the paywall, it'll all be on the $5 tier as long as it's audio. Um, you know, for people who are interested in wrestling history, history isn't going to die on this show. That's no. not happening. No, no, no. You know, a lot of people don't have any respect for history or don't care about history. That's never going to happen here. Okay. I could, I could tell you that right now. Um, if anything, I'm going to work to keep the flame alive on the history of wrestling and, and on historical content because somebody has to do it. And um, and I think there's a lot to be learned and a lot to be enjoyed uh, over the entire history of wrestling. So And this Wrestling 101 is part of that. And um, and the whole reason that, that, again, that I chose that match of the week is because Steamboat and Youngblood are on the Hall of Fame ballot. And I wanted to expose people to their biggest match and their biggest uh, uh, angle. And, and then I spent time watching through the Briscoe feud because that was something I wasn't particularly well-versed in. Yeah, I had no idea. Oh. I honestly – I don't think I ever knew that that entire story even existed of them. Yeah, I mean I knew the Briscoes turned heel, and I knew about a year later they'd end up with – they'd make the backdoor deal with McMahon and go there. And then and then Jack threw his hands and said, I can't work for this fucking guy. And, <laughs> and, 
and just disappear. And then we all know the rest, like Jerry stays and becomes, you know, a mainstay there as part of their office for years and years. But I, I never really dove deep on the matches and the feud. And I got to tell you that, you know, Steamboat and Youngblood came across much better to me in the Briscoe feud than they did in the Cronodal Slaughter feud. Uh, the Cronodal Slaughter feud, I thought Slaughter carried the whole fucking thing. From I start agree. To yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's that. I, I went and watched that entire feud a bunch of years ago, and that made me a Sergeant Slaughter Hall of Fame voter from that point forward because I was always like, yeah, yeah, there's some stuff. But and then I watched that. I've 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 seen the final conflict match, but I never watched the like the entire feud. The build up. Then, yeah, watching the build up, you're like, oh my god, Sergeant Slaughter's like the the main reason this entire thing is the business success it's going to be. I mean, he's those other guys are playing their roles, but goddamn, he's carrying them to different levels. Yeah, no, Slaughter carries that feud with the promos. He carries the feud in the ring. He's the he's the best performer in the in the in the blow off match at Final Conflict to me. Even though Steamboat's in there and he's an all timer, I th- I thought Slaughter, you know, the match just explodes when Slaughter is in the ring. Um, I thought he really carried that feud, and you know, it really. And then when I watched the the Briscoe stuff with Steamboat and Youngblood, I think Steamboat and Youngblood come across. Much better in that feud, and and I'll tell you this: the Briscoes are on the ballot too as a tag team. Um, I'm probably going to vote for them. I mean, you know, I love them as heels. They, I, I'm not a big fan of them as a babyface tag team, but as a heel tag team, it is just they are. There's a certain smarm. Oh, they're so subtle and smarm. It's just like the, the way attitude they, and, yeah, the way they talk down those other teams. It, it just perfectly like Jerry Briscoe is like, well, there's, yeah. there's other teams out there, but I don't, I don't think they're as oh, hell they're as good as we are. Us, they're not going to get out of there because we're just going to beat them all. <laughs> right? He's like, they're they're, they're just, real talented, they're real good, but uh, we're better, and I know we're better. We're going to prove we're better. <laughs> like perfect, and it's like it sounds boring, but it's not. It's great because it's you and know the smirks on their face, and 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 after. So Private Jim Nelson comes out <laughs> after the turn. And this is and listen, this is what I'm talking about because this all calls back to when Jim Nelson turned on Slaughter right. and taught all of Slaughter's secrets to Steamboat and Youngblood, right? So he's still buddies with them. Like they haven't forgotten about that. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Yeah, weird. Right? Like, weird. Yeah. The stories matter and they last for years and, and everybody doesn't get the men in black gun and then the next month after the pay-per-view cycle, they just go to do their normal No, it all it all matters. Right. So Private Jim Nelson comes out to confront the Briscoes because he's like, hey, why, you know, why'd you do this to my boy? Because they turned on, they turned heel in a match against Steamboat and Youngblood, and they, they, he gave him the splash off the top while he was in the figure four and went after his leg and all that. So Nelson confronts him, and they, then they just and, – and, and Jack, I don't remember if it's Jack or Jerry, but he's like, I'll kick your ass right now. And they have <laughs> I a think match. that was Jerry. I'm pretty sure it was Jerry, yeah. You know, and then and then Jimmy Valiant comes out and he's like, "What are you guys doing?" You know, and then they just they they, Whoop they his kind dumbass. of <laughs> they, they, so, they look at each other and smile and then just punch him in the stomach and beat the <laughs> shit out of him. You know, and they leave him laying and it's like these guys are fucking great. They're tremendous as heels, you know. And uh, it's funny because they're known as these great technical wrestlers and they are, but I oh, they're I, brawling I, in these matches. These these are it, these are great. I love these matches. But it that adds to their heel routine because they're not just these shortcut taking heels. They're also great wrestlers who can just beat you and right, keep your right, ass. Right. It adds another element to it. And, um, the, those matches, you know, I watched about three of them today. Briscoes versus steamboat and young blood, all easy. notebook, all easy four star plus just action. Bell to bell. Tremendous stuff. The Briscoe heel, uh, routine is just, you know, it, it's just fantastic. Fantastic. stuff. I just love those guys as heels. And, um, 
anyway, I guess that's a decent transition into the observer ballot, which we'll talk about last year, which, uh, which dropped this week. So, by the way, if you want uh, the, the the videos that we're talking about, the discussion we're talking about is uh, happening in our match of the week channel uh, at uh, voicewrestling.com/slash/discord. That, that's you can only access that channel if you're a Patreon member. Uh, so you're going to want to obviously do that. You're going to want to join the Discord and become a Patreon member so you can uh, uh, get those videos, enjoy those discussions. You know, have that back and forth. But yeah, it it, uh, it hooked me. Uh, same way it hooked you. So <laughs> what I've got up is the final conflict match, and then this great YouTube playlist called The Road to Greensboro, which recaps the entire feud between Cronodal and Slaughter and Steamboat and Youngblood. And then I also linked in there this tremendous hour-and-a-half video, which chronicles the entire Briscoe turn from start to finish, from you know them just being humble babyfaces, challenging the new champions, or their pals for the titles, to sort of they're working as tweeners, and then they do the turn and all the angles, and then it, you know, they eventually win the titles from Steamboat and Youngblood. And the other underrated thing about it is poor Bob Caudle. Like the way he changes in the way that he reacts to the Briscoes throughout the whole thing. Cause you know, he's the one conducting all the interviews. And at first he's all, oh, you guys are going to have a great technical matchup with Ricky Steamboat and Jay Youngblood. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then he's just so disgusted with their actions as the feud moves along as they, and they do these more, you know, nefarious things as, as, as the feud moves along. So I thought Bob Cottle was tremendous during all of this too. But, um, but anyway, yeah, that's just, uh, that's, uh, the Wrestling 101, and now I guess we'll wrap things up with the Observer Ballot here. Absolutely. So, yeah, TheWrestling101.com uh, if you want to get any of that. So, Wrestling Observer ba- uh, Newsletter Hall of Fame ballots have been released. Uh, all the other content about this is going to be going on uh, at FlagshipPatreon.com. We do this every single year. I will do an intro and primer uh, for you guys. Just kind of, you know, here's some numbers. Here's who's new to the ballot. We're going to do a little bit of that here uh, as well, but I do it extensively. Uh, behind the paywall and then uh, as usual we're going to try to get some guests on and, and discuss these different regions it's a little bit of a tight window this year because i think it well the ballots no i saw okay i thought the ballots were due november 5th that's if you mail it i am not mailing it to campbell california i will be emailing it so we have until the 15th so that gives me a little bit more time i had a little bit of a freak out that we only had uh until the 5th but we got till november 15th so we have plenty of time uh, to do these, but uh, we're going to have a lot of time to do all these shows because there is some new stuff going on in the ballot. So we've kind of explained the ballot before. Um, I don't want to go into a ton of detail. You could probably find that out, but the ballot sent out major wrestling stars, past and present, major management figures in the industry, as well as writers uh, and historians. The criteria for the Hall of Fame is a combination of drawing power, being a great in-ring performer, or excelling in one's field of pro wrestling, as well as having historical significance in a positive manner. A candidate should have either something to offer in all three categories or be someone swat standing in one uh, or two of those categories that they deserve uh, inclusion. And there's some other stuff about, you know, you have to be in your 35th birthday and, and all that sort of stuff. Well, I'll get into more uh, in the primer that I do uh, behind the paywall. But the big change this year and the one that we're going to have to talk about and we're going to be talking about extensively uh, in all the shows that we do is that they've made a change with the tag teams. Dave has decided this. This is exactly what he says in the email. He says, quote, the original idea is that if someone is in, they are in. And the idea of a two-time Hall of Famer made no sense. However, in certain situations, there were Hall of Fame tag teams where one person was already in, so the second person would have had to be on their own, such as in this election, Miguel Perez, Jerry Briscoe, and Akira Tawe, uh, rather than as part of a team, which would be their strongest argument. 
while we have always had tag teams and there have always been tag team wrestlers who have we have put in the ballot, uh, we hadn't done so with single wrestlers. However, for teams like the Funk Brothers, Ray Stevens and Nick Bockwinkle, uh, Stevens and Pat Patterson, Giant Baba and Jumbo Saruta, Stan Hansen and Bruiser Brody, or Baba and Inoki, we're not putting them on the ballot because both members of the team are already in. But there are teams who should be considered only as the tag team, not for their entire career as singles run. So the best example we can bring up is Akira Tawe. Let, let's bring him up. Akira Tawe is a guy that we've argued a lot about on shows, whether he belongs in as, as, as a single star, whether his career is, is worthy enough as a singles guy to get in there, and he has not gotten in. He's been on the ballot for years and years and years and years, has never gotten in, but his greatest contribution to wrestling is his tag team with Kawada, the Holy Demon Army. Like, no doubt, one of the greatest tag teams of all time. Nobody would dispute that. Nobody would argue with that. But the problem with Tawe is every time you argue with him, people would bring up, well, yeah, Holy Demon Army. It's like, okay, yeah, but Kawada, once he was away from that team, was able to do all of his own, was able to be a tremendous pro wrestler on his own. And Akira Tawe never quite did that. He never quite broke out on his own doing his own sort of thing. So people just didn't vote him because there wasn't enough meat on the bones for Akira Tawe by himself even if he was a part of of a legendary tag team, one of the greatest tag teams of all time. It makes a little more sense when you do it in long form. I'm just trying to do it kind of quickly here. But David's trying to kind of eliminate that by now saying, okay, now you can vote for tag teams with the idea that you're voting on this tag team and not the singles run whatsoever with these tag teams. So you have like, I'm going to bring up just a random example. Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty. Okay, the Rockers. You are voting not saying, well, Shawn Michaels had a great, I mean, he was the world champion. He did that. That doesn't matter. Shawn Michaels is already in. What he did, you were just you, all you're caring about right now is what he did as a member of the Rockers with Marty Jannetty. Bret Hart is the same way. Bret Hart and Jim Neidhart are in this. It doesn't matter what Bret Hart did on his own. It is what Bret Hart and Jim Neidhart did as the Hart Foundation that matters in this ballot now and in this poll now. And that adds a whole new dynamic because it added a bunch of new teams uh, to the mix. But but what do you think overall about this tag team you know inclusion here uh, before we kind of get into the, the, the new teams that have been added or the new people that have been added? I'm all for it. Um it's utterly ridiculous that teams like uh, the Holy Demon Army and and Antonino Rocca and Miguel Perez aren't in the Hall of Fame simply because one member was already in, and there was this weird rule where that where someone couldn't be put on the ballot again once they were already in. I mean, that's utterly ridiculous. I mean, the Miguel Perez uh, comparison is perfect because he didn't have any kind of a Hall of anything near a Hall of Fame career. Um, you know, on his own. So nobody was going to vote for him as uh, into the Hall of Fame, uh, on, uh, just, just on the ballot as Miguel Perez. But his tag team with Antonino Rocca is one of the greatest drawing tag teams of all time. And they were a legitimate uh, sellout draw in Madison Square Garden for years. And, and it, it, it's, it's, it's ridiculous to have a pro wrestling Hall of Fame without that tag team in the Hall of Fame. Same for Holy Demon Army with Kawada and Tawe. And uh, I was vote. I was a Tawe voter anyway, uh, partially because uh, you know, and 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 in large part because of, he was part of that all-time legendary tag team. Um, but you know, I, I, voting for the team itself will, will, will be an absolute no-brainer. So, and I, I just think it was weird to uh, be not inclusive of these all-time great teams simply because one guy had a Hall of Fame-worthy career independent of the team, and one guy didn't. That that. It's weird to me, right. and there was a giant hole in this Hall of Fame regarding tag teams because some of the greatest tag teams of all time were not included because of this weird rule. And the rule really didn't make sense when you started having situations like 
um, you know, Stan Lane going in with the Midnight Express and then going on the ballot as part of the Fabulous Ones. Well, it's like, well, <laughs> and he's on the ballot. So it's just, why don't it got, we just... It got a little messy. It got a little messy there for a while. So it, yeah. it is smart. So we may as well just put all these great teams on the ballot because it's just logical and it makes sense. It should have been this way from the beginning. From the beginning, it should have been... Now, I understand Antonino Rocco was just an automatic pick in 96, but just play, or, or maybe I'll use Toshiaki Kawada as my example. It should have been Toshiaki Kawada, Akira Tawe, and the Holy Holy Demon Army, all three on the ballot, right? And then that way, you know, but, but it was never that way, so you can't really go back in time and fix that or reverse it, because to me, that's three independent acts. But Dave didn't see it that way at the time. But the consequence of that was then not having these great Hall of Fame tag teams even eligible to be in because no one's going to fucking vote for Marty Jannetty as a singles wrestler. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> okay, so, and I'm not suggesting, I, I'm probably not going to vote for the Rockers. I, I'm not but voting you get the Rockers idea. Either, but yeah, yeah. But, no yeah. one's voting for Jim Neidhart, okay? But you might vote for the Hart Foundation. Well, nobody was voting for Miguel Perez for all those years. And right, and Miguel are, Perez, and rightfully so. And You'd be irresponsible and like, to not vote for Rock and Perez, though, or, or, or even Tawe. I was, I was not a Tawe voter, but there's no way in hell you could not vote for the Holy Team Army either. And it's weird because, like, the Road Warriors are a slam dunk, but, like, <laughs> if you put... If you put Hawk and Animal on the ballot separately, you wouldn't vote for them. Oh, God, you're no. only no. You're voting for the Road Warriors. So it isn't fair to these other great Hall of Fame-worthy tag teams that they were not even on the ballot at any point simply because uh, Dave kind of had this weird rule. So the bottom line is it's fixed. It's corrected. It's going to throw a no, new wrinkle in the voting. Uh, I think one of the, the, the byproducts of this, at least this year, a lot of these teams, Rocca and Perez, Holy Demon Army, the Briscoes, um, you know, maybe some of the others, they're going to siphon so many votes, even with the ability to, to vote for a few more people this year. You get the extra three votes in the uh, in the U.S. historical, okay? But you're limited to only f- a max of five in the other categories. Yeah, it's gonna be, those other so, categories are, are bloodbaths so, so, now. It's gonna No, be- so here's what's going to happen, and I think it's a good thing. I think what's going to happen is all of these tag teams are going to siphon a lot of the votes because there's so many that deserve it, right? And because of the cap on some of the other categories, we're finally going – I think there's going to be a lot of people that fall under the 10% this year, and that's oh, a yeah, good yeah. thing. That's that bloodbath that I'm talking about is like those dudes are – there's a lot of those hangarounds that we've that always – bloated. Yeah, we've always said that there's these like – I mean, dude, these guys are getting 13% every single year. Like there's just no point in in, in – and having this guy be on the ballot anymore. Like, let, let's get him out of here. And this might be that year that those guys, uh, Trish Stratus, uh, probably going to fall off the ballot. And that rightfully so. She's been getting 11% for like back and forth for years and years and years. We're done with that. Let's move on. You, you know, now, now Mishimura Fuji, like, sorry, Bell, you're, you're not making it. it. It's, it's, it's time to, to let things go. So I, I'm with you. I, I like that idea. That that's where that bloodbath's going to come in is I think like a lot the drop off is going to be huge for a lot of these people. And that's, that's okay. That's fine. Yeah, 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 and, and and that's what you want because the ballot's way too bloated right now, um, and and I, hopefully a lot of people will fall off this year that you know we're just hanging around with like twenty percent or whatever um, that are never really getting in. But I we, like we it. did lose a lot last year. I don't know if you saw the list. And, oh, we and, did. Yeah, yeah. I'll yeah, talk about sure. it. Obviously, when I do the primer, but I mean, they I think like fifteen or twenty people dropped off. Like all a lot of your like you know hangers on your your bottom you know your buddy Colts and your. 
you know, Stephanie McMahon's and those and your Rick Martel. I mean, Rick Martel was, I was like, all right, Rick Martel's never going to get on there. Like, who are these people that are still, you know, the 11% of people that were still voting for Rick Martel, but that's not. So they lost a lot there, and I think we're going to lose even more this year, which, again, to some people might seem like harsh, but it's good. Like, this is the Hall of Fame. This is the best of the best, the elite of the elite, you know, and it's just, it, it makes much, it, it's just more annoying that there's like 15 people in every single category. There doesn't need to be. There's, there's, those not all those people are worthy of the Hall of Fame, and Dave puts them on there because you know it, it, it's interesting to put it up for a vote and see where people go. But like, yeah, a lot of these people hang on with like ten percent or eleven percent or whatever, and it's just like, no, these people do not belong. They're never going to get in. We got to move on with these people and move 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 them up or move them out, and and that's hopefully what's happening in these next few years. So it's interesting that he added all these tag teams, and I still wish he would split up Kojima and Tenzan. <laughs> I know, I know. And I, I and, I, and I still wish he would split up Hall and Nash. I think Hall and Nash have better cases on their own than as than specifically as the team. Um, you know, and, and Tenzan and Kojima as well. But, so it's interesting. Some guys have a better chance if they're part of a team, and I think some guys have better chance if they're if they're split away from their team. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, Roman Reigns is back on after his big run. We'll see how he does. Becky Lynch is on this year. This is outside of the tag teams. Um, but, you know, a, a lot of people back on the ballot, like Mr. Wrestling 2 just fell off, but now he's back on in the tag team with Mr. Wrestling and Mr. Wrestling 2. You know, so the, there's that. And then there's the teams we talked about where one partner was never getting in on their own, like the Hart Foundation or Raka and Perez or, you know, Tawe was making some headway, but now he's just going to be on there as part of the team. No. Dynamite Kid and Davey Boy Smith is another one. And uh, Harley Race and Larry Henning. Larry Henning, you know, had been on the ballot before and he didn't get in. Um, Octagon is now on there as a team, as part of a team, because he was on there as a single with El Hio Del Santo. Dusty Rose, Dick Murdoch fell off. He's on there with Dick Murdoch. So, it's going to require a lot more research if you're a voter, um, but I do think this is a good thing. The other day, somebody in our Slack um, was asking about the East-West connection, Adonis and Ventura. Um, trying to think who it was who asked about them. But but at any rate, that led me down a wormhole into researching Adonis and Ventura and their run in the AWA. And I came away from that research a little more impressed than I was with just off the top of my head with what I knew about them in terms of, you know, how many sh- they headlined the way more shows than I thought they did. And, and I watched a bunch of their matches. So the thing you always say about the hall of fame is it's not, if you don't care about the observer hall of no, fame, it's that's dumb. It's dumb and it's stupid and but, it doesn't matter, but the discussions matter. The research just, matters. Yeah. The, and you learn things. And, right. and Right. So even if you don't care about the hall of fame or, or value it at all, um, it makes you think about these people and then you get some great audio out of it. Uh, you know, from us, and we'll do that again. And 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 you know, uh, I'm sure Dave will do some audio, and 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 you and you learn things about wrestling and wrestling history that that uh, that you didn't know previously. If Adonis and Ventura never went on the ballot, I never would have done that research right. the other day. And now I'm more curious about them because now they're on my radar. Whereas before, I was like, I'll never vote for them. But then a little bit of you know surface level research, and I'm thinking, hold on a minute. They may have been at a lot of shows, you know, and and you know some of them with five figure attendances, and you know now maybe I need to dig a little deeper, and maybe I need to watch the matches and 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 the promos, and I probably still won't vote for them, but now they're in my vision, yeah, and and I'm learning things. Well, and so. and, and just in general, I mean, tag team wrestling is so important to the history of wrestling a, 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 as well. I mean, and there's been periods where, you know, major American wrestling has has kind of downplayed it or it just hasn't mattered or it just hasn't been that important. 
but man, it, it go through the history of wrestling, especially in different territories and whatnot. Like tag teams were it. I mean, they were such a big deal and such an important thing. And yeah, it, they, they deserve inclusion in this, you know, and, and these teams that are just overwhelming. Great. It's not like there hasn't been tag teams before, but it's going to lead us, you know, down a path of, of doing some really, really fun research about some of the great tag teams of all time. And that's, you know, there's nothing ever wrong with that. And, and, you know, a lot of times, in the past and and you know it's it's something i've kind of fought back on you know we've been doing audio and stuff people would say well the holy demon army the holy, and i would say well i know yeah yeah we, we, you know i'm bringing up Taiwei again and i would i would tend to just you know not care about that all that much and say well let's look at his single stuff because i'm voting him in as a singles guy not necessarily as a tag team guy and and you know that was kind of how the ballot made you sort of think about it and now you don't really have to think about that way you can say well you know what? Who the fuck cares what this guy did by on his own or when they broke up or whatever? Who the? It doesn't matter that Jerry Briscoe, you know, thought Vince McMahon was an idiot and stopped wrestling or whatever. And now it matters what he did as the Briscoes, and the Briscoes were fucking tremendous and and great. And it seems weird and it seems strange, but there's just a different thought exercise that you have to do uh, with that. And and when you think about these guys strictly in their tag teams. Their, their career does become a little bit more clear and a little bit more obvious, and you're not necessarily looking to to ding them for any other reasons. Other, you know, you just kind of say, "Well, hey, was this tag team like worthy of the Hall of Fame?" And if they are, then yeah, then put them in. There's no need to say, "Well, what happened afterwards or what happened before?" What? No, it only matters if that tag team was just overwhelmingly deserving of of being in the Hall of Fame, and that's what you have to look at, and that's what you have to research. So it's gonna be a lot of fun. Uh, there's a lot of candidates. I'm not gonna break them down all on here. I'll do that obviously uh, at flagshippatreon.com. I want to do that primer episode, but uh, yeah, it's 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 a really really fun ballot this year. Uh, just real quickly, if you do if you need a little bit of a catch up, uh, last year uh, Okada got voted in on his first ballot as he should. Uh, Jim Crocker Jr. got in after a lot uh, a long time uh, on the fence there. Uh, Don Owen, a guy that you voted for a very long time, finally got on. And Los Brazos uh, also uh, made it on. So four guys made it on, then a bunch of dudes dropped off as we said. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll get into the nuts and bolts and the details of the uh, of the ballot. As I said, in that primer that, that I'll do at flagshippatreon.com. That should be coming out pretty soon. And then, uh, yeah, you and I are going to discuss, you know, who to bring on and, and what to do and schedule these shows. But uh, you're going to get some great audio. And, and, again, Joe mentioned it there, and I'll mention it again. If you don't care about the Hall of Fame, that's fine. If you care about wrestling history, if you care about educating yourself on wrestling history, that's what it's all about. We're talking about some of the greatest wrestlers of all time, the greatest matches of all time, the greatest promos of all time, that sort of stuff. That's what it's all about. It's about that research. I don't ultimately care if a guy gets in or not. It doesn't. I won't lose sleep if any of these teams that I voted for don't make it into the Hall of Fame. But it's just fun to sit down and, like you said, do what you did with the North, the Northwest or East West Connection, where you would never have thought of them ever again. You would have never thought of them, never done a deep dive into them whatsoever. But now you had to for the purposes of this, and that's that's what it's all about: educating yourself, learning about wrestling history. That's what Wrestling 101 is, and that's what the Wrestling Observer uh, Hall of Fame is as well. So. There you go. And as you said, history will never die on this show. You might want it to die. You might say, ah, oh, who cares about this stuff? We care. And we're always going to care. So we're always going to cover the NWA, and we're always going to cover wrestling history. And you can't can't stop it. Maybe those are one and the same uh, in a lot of ways. But uh, that is that. So, uh, Joe, anything else on the ballot? No. We'll have plenty of discussions about that. Plenty of hours and hours and hours of audio uh, discussing those names many, many times. So that is it for us uh, on this week's episode of the Flagship Podcast. Uh, of course, VoicesOfWrestling.com for previews, reviews, columns, all that other good stuff. TheWrestling101.com uh, if you want to follow that project as well. Uh, VoicesOfWrestling.com slash Discord if you want to join our Discord channel. We mentioned that uh, Match of the Week and other stuff uh, going on there as well. Uh, FlagshipPatreon.com, Patreon.com slash VoicesOfWrestling. Uh, you can subscribe, $5 tier, $10 tier. Uh, $10 opens up everything, including live uh, instant reactions, live flagships, all the written content we do. $5 gets you all of the audio that we do. 
And then, uh, yeah, that is uh, about it. Oh, YouTube. YouTube, of course. Uh, we said we're, we're trying to put a little bit more uh, uh, love uh, into our YouTube channel. Of course, uh, make sure you subscribe, like, share all those videos. Uh, and then subscribe uh, to uh, the Flagship Podcast on your podcast app of choice. Uh, and we also have the Voice Wrestling Podcast Network uh, feed as well. So we would recommend subscribing to both of those. The network feed gets you all the shows that we do on the network. Flagship feed obviously gets you just the flagship. But uh Subscribe to both of those. Why not? Get our numbers up. We, we want to be number one, not only in Turkey and the Isle of Man, but uh, Barbados, too. We're, we're coming for you who's ever number one in Barbados. Find out who's number one in Barbados. We know who to who to get after and, and, and beat. But uh, that is it for us. So anyway, for Joe, I'm Rich. We'll talk to you next time on the Flagship Podcast. Take care.